Hello. I feel at a disadvantage here. So I normally listen to uh, the most recently re- released Roderick on the line before we do our show. Mm-hmm. But mm. I can, couldn't do it timing-wise. Mm. Time. Let me tell you what happened. No, no spoilers. Mm. We talk about the Beatles. I heard that. They're already, <laughs> I'm already getting spoiled. <laughs> Believe it or not, I did think of you. There was a point where I thought about putting up spoiler warning up for uh, Sgt. Pepper's. I've heard, I've heard the album. It's okay. Have you heard the new one? No, I've heard you talking about the new one. Mm. Mm. I hope you go into how it is possible that they that it is po- that you can do a remix of it. Like they still have all the individual tracks, and somehow someone has access to them. But I'll I'll find out on the show, I guess. Yep, yep. I'll let you. I don't want to spoil you, John. This is another one. I call these the wraparound episodes. This is another confusing one because on top of the Mister Show Call In Show problem, now this has happened twice in the last four episodes where we've lapped ourselves. And now we're, we're recording, as of today, we're recording on, oh my God, May 29th. This will come out around June 15th, even though the episode before this one isn't out yet. We'll make this timeless, as we always do. We're going to make it evergreen. Um, not going to talk about the president of golf cart, which is a, an excellent Morrissey song. No, we're not going to do that. But uh, you know what, it, what occurred to me as I did some of my basic prep for the show? First of all, I changed the font. For the H's. I hope you approve. See any difference? Change the font for the what? The H, like the head one, head two, head three. Oh, yeah. I see you mess with those things every once in a while. I don't know why you do mm. it, but whatever. Aesthetics. Just aesthetics. All right. Yeah. Um, but that means, what occurred to me was that that means we have not yet, it, we're not being unresponsive <laughs> to people's responses about what we said responding about Pixar. We just haven't heard that yet because the show's not out. Well, <laughs> I mean... It is out as you listen to this. <laughs> listen. It, hasn't it always been out? Mm. Mm. I think in the original story, mm-hmm. it always That's came it. out. Right. Right. But the movie, but in the movie version, you have a choice whether you want to release it. Yeah, I get it. You get the protagonist's journey of discovery, the immediate conflict and tension, and you get the emotional impact through choice. That's that's just screenwriting basics, is how I would phrase it. We have, uh, which, now see, I, I'm trying to get better. I don't know if you noticed, I spent a lot of time trying to make you happy with this document. I don't know if you noticed that I moved some things that were not technically canonical follow-up down into mini topics. Mini, <laughs> mini topics. <laughs> and so I have two bits. I have one thing that's pretty definitely follow-up and I got a second thing a rival screenwriter video. I don't know if you consider that follow-up or m- mini topic. Well, just, it's fine and follow up. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> Okay. so uh, somebody sent this in. Actually, I think probably at least three people tweeted this. Thank you to everyone who tweeted this at us. This is a series that I have uh, seen one other episode of, and so far I really, really like. And the name of it is escaping me until I click this link and I'm killing time. LFTS, Lessons from the Screenplay, is a YouTube channel. And I've seen a couple of these. Have you seen this, have you seen this guy's stuff before? Mike, uh, I, think, his name I is. think this is the first one that I saw, but I went through a little bit of the back catalog and watched a couple. He's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, what he does is he goes in and he does a really nice, I think he does a nice job with this. Basically looking at, uh, in this case, is Arrival, uh, M-Dash, examining an adaptation. Adaptations are so fraught. Someday ask Anthony Johnson about adaptations. He has a lot of interesting thoughts on how to do it. And essentially he goes through and he looks at a, a film and then looks at some aspect of the screenplay. And in this case, he looks at the film, he looks at the original short story by Ted Chang. Yep. And 
and also then he looks at he looks at the actual words in the published you know long short story and he looks at the screenplay and in this case he's pulling out uh stuff from this a wonderful interview uh with uh with the screenwriter everybody sent this to us uh it was a, it was a great send uh because this is this gets straight into some of the stuff we talked about in our oh jeez now are we going to be in a situation here can we, no. talk, we can't we can't really talk about this can we let, let me talk let me handle this okay i think i can handle this over so sometimes i feel like people don't listen to the show or they listen to the show but they listen to one episode and then they never listen to another one which is fine right but are still engaged and want to talk about the one episode that they listen to so we did talk about the movie arrival in a couple of different past episodes. Mm-hmm. And some people listen to them, and they talk to us on Twitter about the episodes they listen to. But eventually, if you pursue the conversation, it becomes clear that some of them stop listening to the show or paused listening to the show and are not caught up or whatever because they will mention things that we subsequently mention in maybe the second episode where we talked about the movie Arrival. And the particular tidbit that is that has been highlighted for us in this video which I'm not going to spoil because we don't, this is not the spoiler slot, Mm-mm. was discussed in, you know, this exact point was discussed. There's a, there a point of contention between your hosts that sparked out of some Slack discussion, but there's a very, very pivotal, there's a thing that happens in this where depending on your interpretation of what's happening, uh, wouldn't you say vastly changes uh, what the movie's about? Yeah, but, but, either, but either way, like for, forget about the actual issue. The whole point is the screenwriter did a bunch of interviews. And the screenwriter said, oh, in the book, it was this way. But I, the screenwriter, said in the movie, I want it to be a different way. So I changed it. Mm-hmm. The author knows about it. He thought it should be this way. I disagreed. This is how it is in the movie. It's totally intentional, which settles the entire debate about what the movie is like. And you, you feel like you probably won this one. It's not winning or losing. It's just no. like, I, I'm just glad that, I, that my interpretation wasn't totally off base because the movie, as it, you know, the first episode, I'm like, I feel like the movie was saying this. And the second episode, I, I said, I rewatched the end of the movie and it, I totally think it's saying this. The third episode was like, screenwriter says that my interpretation it was his intention. Mm-hmm. Fine, right? This video, all this video does is quote and audio, you know, it gives you an audio snippet and quotes from the same interview, right? It's, it's a big basis for what he's doing, Yeah. Yeah, so this is one of the situations where we just have to accept late coming feedback from the people who are, you know, calling in about the wrong show. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that because, as far as all these people know, they are the very first person to point this out to us because they haven't listened to the subsequent episodes, mm. right? Boy, just that, that that Mr. Show problem just keeps getting worse, doesn't it? Yeah, but you can't like I can't also can't congratulate each one of these people. Uh, and thank them profusely for conveying this information because about the 800th person to send it to you. But did I imply that? Was I implying that? No, no. Hmm. I'm just like I'm just thinking of how I handle it, right? Right. So again, these people are pointing out to me that that my interpretation of it was correct. You think, oh, aren't you overjoyed to hear that you were right about something? Well, you know, it's good to know, but it's also difficult to. I, I find myself thinking that must mean they don't listen to the show anymore, and I find myself getting sad about it. Hmm. And that doesn't really make any sense, but. This is, that's, that's, this is a good show. People should listen to the show. Uh, well, they won't hear this either, so I guess I don't have to worry about, uh, you know, hmm. making making anybody feel bad. But anyway... <laughs> Real Heisenberg-type um, situation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would recommend making this... Try to make this more constructive. This Lessons from the Screenplay YouTube channel is very interesting. There's a good back catalog. Find one... 
the Inglorious Bastards one talks was good. about a movie. Yeah, that talks about a movie you're interested in mm-hmm. and watch it, and it's good stuff. It's, I mean, it's perhaps not as doesn't have as much of a hook as something like Every Frame of Painting yeah. does. But if you're interested in how movies are made, I think it's an interesting channel. I I really liked the Star Wars one. And this is kind of different than movies with Mikey. Movies with Mikey, I, I like because... That's just, pure, like, just purely his opinion. Delightfully. Delightfully so. Right. And, and, and he's very passionate. Movies mm-hmm. with Mikey, he's very passionate. And yeah. he makes his case. And he and he puts his, his feelings in himself. And that's why I like watching it's very, But it's, it's very admittedly emotional. Which is... But, he's, but he, he, that he leans into that. And that's what makes the show good. Yeah. And he cares about it. And the caring comes through in the videos. That's why I watch them. Right? Whereas uh, Lessons from the Screenplay, I think, is uh, more cerebral... And in, in this case, I, I find that a lot of the things he says, I see reflected in discussions I've had about it. So I don't know if that means I agree with him more or that we're, you know, covering kind of the same base. Like the, the, the way the way Lessons from the Screenplay does analysis seems to match up better with the way I tend to think about movies when like I'm on an incomparable episode about them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're they're both good, both recommended. So check them out. I watch um, <clears throat> I watch a lot of these kinds of things. And I, I don't want to name any names here, but cause I do enjoy them, but you know, you sound pretty familiar with these. You've seen things like every frame of painting. There's a couple, there's one in, there's one in particular that I like. And I think, I think the guy is good. He's very prolific and his level of quality is, is quite high. And he's definitely got like a certain thing. Uh, I'm only going to use this one guy that I'm not going to mention uh, as, as an example, because I see this a lot of places. I feel like they're very influenced by other YouTube creators, which might sound obvious. There's a question and then there's a, there's a uh, follow-up question. The, the, the question is like, there's this one guy in particular feels like he really admires every frame of painting. And I'm going to say, I think he probably really admires CGP Grey. And so the, the f- question you can answer or not is, is this a thing, this whole like making videos that are kind of like the way somebody else does? The, the bigger, more interesting question to me, when I think everything looks like everything a fr- frame, every frame of painting, or I think everything looks like CGP Grey, is there somebody that they're riffing off of? Is there somebody higher up in the, in the food chain that I don't know about that like CGP Grey, for example, got his bit from? Answer in any Ooh, order you like. Are, are you intentionally not naming who this person is who yes. you think takes it? I don't want to hurt his feelings if he hear, listens to the show. But why? Because it sounds like I'm it. saying he's derivative, which I'm kind of saying, but not really. Well, nerd no, writer one, nerd writer. I don't think. All right. Well, I, I, yeah, I know you've mentioned that before, and I like I, I, like I don't the show. I, actually, I watch every one of them. I don't think I, I think I did try to watch one or two of them. But they didn't grab me, but I don't. I it, you get a CGP gray vibe from his from his presentation, the way he talks in particular. All right. So everything's a remix, Marlon. I don't know if you heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Kirby Puckett said that. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack Kirby. I think all of the YouTube. Uh, more so than old world media because the iteration time is shorter builds on itself. Uh, so in the same way that, you know, the influential early sitcoms influenced later sitcoms, which were changed in subtle ways and they built on each other. Like that happens over like years and years and generations. Right. Where YouTube, eventually, like, gets happens, in, it gets in the water. Yeah. And YouTube, it happens much faster because there's no, no the barrier to entry is so much lower. So the, the evolution cycle is faster and faster. So, People see something and make their own channel, and then people make channels from those, and those, and it just spreads and spreads. And it, the time is compressed massively as compared to how long it takes to get from like all the family to family ties to friends to Seinfeld, right? Like mm-hmm. you can trace that out. That's like, you know, six months of YouTube with thousands of more things, and only the ones that we see are the ones that happen to get popular, but all building on each other. Uh, for your specific questions, like CGP Gray's style 
is, I would say it is a variant of the thing that the internet enabled, which is uh, people who want to produce something in a medium where they only have part of the normal skill set. So uh, XKCD Comics is, mm-hmm. a, is a great example. Great writer. Where he wants to make a comic strip, mm-hmm. but the drawing part of that, not so strong, right? Mm-hmm. But the writing part, like, you know, he still wants to make visual medium. He doesn't want to write blog posts, but he's missing part of it. And in the old world, well, you know, it's very difficult. You need some minimum level of drawing skill to get your thing published. I mean, I would say maybe like Dilbert is the lowest possible level because he's always bragging that he didn't know how to draw, but he taught himself the minimum. But it's not stick figures. And that's what XKCD is. And XKCD has grown to be more than stick figures because you can't help get better at what you're doing if you do it hundreds and hundreds of times. But the whole point is uh, he's someone who wouldn't be a comic artist if he was born 50 years, 100 years in the past or whatever. It would be like, it would be like somebody who wants to like make audio, automobiles, but all you knew how to do is drive them. Like you don't have, there's no infrastructure to like take what you're good at and then like get it to market as its own um, consumer product. And the split for, for comic strips particularly, the split is not the same as in the comic book world where you have artists and writers as a separate thing because traditionally comic strips were not like that. Um, I mean, I suppose you could have teams doing them, but anyway, it's just one person, right? So same thing for doing YouTube videos. Hey, I want to do YouTube video, but I don't want to appear on camera, which is the thing a lot of YouTube people do. And my drawing skills, not so great, but I have some good ideas. And because there's no one stopping me and saying, oh, you can't get past the gatekeepers to be a YouTube channel. Like, no, just start a YouTube channel. You can't Mm -hmm. stop me. And a lot of people did that, even in situations where the barrier is not skill, but you have a team of people doing it. And you just don't want to pay the extra money to have someone animate it. Like, it doesn't seem like it's an essential to your thing. So one, the, the style that comes to mind from CGB Grey, and I'm sure he will uh, hate it if he ever hears me say this, but he won't be just listening to the show, so score. No, it doesn't. Zero Punctuation from The Escapist. Uh, that is the, the one that I recall seeing before CGP Grey that is the most like it. It's more stick figure kind of things with things pasted in in a particular style with a you know, uh, background and foreground, uh, and, uh, you know, solid colors and that type of thing. Uh, and that situation, I don't think it's because the person doing it wanted to be a solo practitioner, couldn't do part of it. It just seems like it would cost so much more money to pay an animator duel. I don't even know if the guy who does zero punctuation animates the whole thing himself or if he has help or whatever, but that's the closest connecting line in my mind. But that doesn't mean that there is any connection between them other than the fact that I saw that one. And then I saw this later thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I bet there's a whole line of people doing simplistic animations because that's not their strong suit and not being on camera because that's not the way they wanted to do a YouTube channel, right? And I'm sure you could draw a straight line through the the evolution of vlogging on, on YouTube as well through all the different famous people and all the branches. And who was the first person to say, hey, guys? I mean, let's go back to, you know, who's the first person to ask people to like and subscribe? This is all probably lost to, to the mists of time. I should probably remind them to like and subscribe right i mean so like that's it's just something that you know everything everything remixed at the beginning was a joke but that is it's a real thing people should watch that video even though everyone makes a joke of it because it's you know it's well known what What are you talking about it's a fantastic video the whole series is great i know but everyone now invokes it as a joke and i'm afraid people are no longer realizing there's an actual video called everything is remix that you should watch it's so good to to let you learn how media builds on itself so all this is a long-winded way to say I think that similarities between, you know, whether it's Nerd Writer and CGP Grey or Every Frame of Painting or whatever, like all that is great. Thumbs up. That's exactly how it's supposed to work. 
everybody learns from everybody else. We're all stewing in the same stew. Everyone adds their own twists, their own sensibilities. We take the things that appeal to us and, you know, reimagine them through the, uh, the, uh, the lens of our own, uh, skill set and imaginations and feelings. Um, and I mean, that's how you get, that's how you get Quentin Tarantino. Speaking of something I recently heard you talking about on a mm-hmm. podcast, uh, that's, that's how we get everything. So we get all the good things, everything, uh, great in this world is produced through that exact process. So no one feel, should feel shame about being influenced by, uh, influenced in obvious ways by the things that, yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't trying to shame anybody as it was specifically because I was not trying to razz this guy that I was being, um, dodgy about saying who it was just because, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way at all. There's a, um, a, I've heard the, I don't think this is up. Well, it will be up probably, probably by the time you hear this, but a recent incomparable, um, recording that I listened to, it's not, it's not live as of this recording, but it was the, uh, one of Jason's famous drafts, right? So when, uh, on the incomparable, when Jason Snell does a draft, he has a bunch of people on and you have a topic that could be like TV actors. It could be, uh, science fiction movies, whatever it is. And you go around with this giant, giant group of people. And because it's a draft, the first person gets to pick the first one. That's now not pickable, et cetera. Just like a draft in sports ball. And this latest one, uh, I don't know if you listen to it. It's in the, the shamas.feed is the, um, was uh, picking TV series, you know, and there were basic rules like, you know, it can't just be like a one-time special, not really a movie. It's got to be a repeating TV show of some kind. And I, I, it was really interesting. There were way too many people on the episode, but it was still really interesting. And David Lore, uh, whom I love said, uh, one of the smartest things he's, he picked his first pick was Sid Caesar's your show of shows which is such a David Lore thing to pick. I mean, you know, he's obviously he's going to go for some old timey thing like that because he couldn't pick the third man. And, um, and he, but he said he, he was not picking it just, just because he thinks it was the best. He was picking it because of its importance. And this is exactly the kind of point that goes straight to my, straight to my brainstem. He's like, you think about your show of shows, you got Sid Caesar's, you know, TV show, you got on the staff writing, you've got Neil Simon, you've got Mel Brooks, You've got, you've got all this talent. And basically he made, he made very easily to me, made this case that like, there are so many TV shows that we would not have today if that show had not given that talent, that opportunity. So you wouldn't get the Dick Van, so like uh, Carl Reiner was on there. And then Carl Reiner does the Dick Van Dyke show. Dick Van Dyke show, you move on to Mary Tyler Moore. From Mary Tyler Moore, you make these leaps into like, now you got a workplace drama. You got maybe like a Cheers or you get Barney Miller. And I, I don't, I'm not saying this is not deterministic. I'm not saying we wouldn't have those shows, but in that case, like, thank goodness, each one of those took the best aspects of, of a genre that they wanted to play with or they wanted to play at. And I, th- I just thought that was really insightful that, you know, just because we're not Robert Johnson doesn't mean we can't do something with the blues. I agree with you. There were a lot of people in that episode. Which oh why you didn't plus, realize plus Glenn, Glenn was there, John. You didn't realize that I was on that episode. Let's see. Oh, right. You were on that oh, episode. Right. Oh, yes. yes, yes. You were. No, oh, you know what? You were, right. to- you were totally on that episode. I'm trying to remember what <laughs> yeah. you picked. I think Empire Strikes Back. You don't, 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 don't spoil it for people. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. That, and that's, I mean, that's a whole other topic of doing things for uh, picking things in drafts and how you pick them. But everyone has their own interpretation. And I myself, even though each of us only got two picks, I picked with two different criteria. First, I picked my favorite show. And my second pick, I uh, picked a show that I thought deserved to be in the TV Hall of Fame, even though it wasn't my second favorite show. It's confusing, um, though, with that Snake Sword or wherever it's called. That's, I'd never heard of that yeah. before. It was very Snake confusing. Draft. Snake Draft. Snake, Snake draft. draft. Snake Draft. You know, you were you were totally on there. Erica was on there. I remember Erica was on there. I think, uh, I think uh, was it... Uh, you were there? Uh, Not Steve was on there. Mm-hmm. 
That was a lot of people. You got Andy Anatko. Whew. I don't know how he does it, man. You might have been on that show. I don't, you know, don't I think know. I think I was. I, th- I think I picked uh, Return of the Jedi. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Warby Parker. You can learn more about Warby Parker right now by visiting warbyparker.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Warby Parker was founded by four friends who believe that your glasses shouldn't cost more than your iPhone. They've cut out the middleman so they can sell directly to you in store and online. This means that Warby Parker is able to provide high quality, good looking prescription glasses at a much fairer price. If you're thinking that buying glasses online might be difficult and weird, worry no more. Warby Parker has made it so easy with their free home try-on program. You order five pairs of glasses, you try them out for five days with no obligation to buy. Shipping is also free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. And when you pick your favorite pair, they can even call your doctor if you're not sure what your prescription is. What is this? This is new. Oh, you've got to do this. Oh, it's such a pain to deal with that, and they're going to take care of that. Boom, zim, pow, goes the dynamite. That's amazing. Warby Parker glasses start at $95, including prescription lenses that all include anti-glare and anti-scratch coatings. Not only that, but for every pair you buy, a pair of glasses is distributed to someone in need. Now, uh, Warby Parker, it's a pretty good gig. I've gotten this before. Here's the thing. I still haven't bought my Warby Parker, Parker glasses mainly because I hate that whole donkey drill with the uh, with the uh, optical people. I'm probably going to just do this now. My lady friend has done this several times. She loves it. It's a great place to get sunglasses in case you're ever in the sun to protect your eyes from the sun. Had you thought of that? Warby Parker. It's so easy to order. Listeners of this show can head to warbyparker.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, and you order yourself a free home try-on kit today. Once you've done that, you go, you check out the Warby Parker app. They built an awesome home try-on companion, lets you create a quick video of you wearing all the frames so your friends and family can help you choose. How cool is that? Very cool is the answer to that. It is time to upgrade your glasses experience. So you go to warbyparker.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S. To order your free home try-ons today, our thanks to Warby Parker for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Beatles and Star Wars. A lot of Beatles, a lot of Star Wars for me. I watched a video called uh, SJWs Have Ruined Star Wars. That's a hell of a <laughs> thing. And I, you know yeah. why? Now, you know why? You've, you've taught me. Don't click it. Why? Don't click it. Because now it's in your history and it'll affect your recommendations? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching that one woman's presentation on Morgellons and chemtrails, that screwed me up for like two weeks. You just go, we want to learn a little bit about how chemtrails cause Morgellons. And then pretty soon, any kind of nut that doesn't have the same scientific rigor as that particular Morgellon lady starts just showing up. SJWs have ruined Star Wars. This is, uh, yeah, this is also this guy, the guy who tweeted out recently that Wonder Woman was created by two men and is being co-opted by women. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's is. cultural appropriation. That's what that oh, is, right? Absolutely. It's like, like wearing a goddamn headdress. So that's good. You know, I like YouTube. I enjoy YouTube. I, I increasingly, because maybe you've, maybe because of the way you've consistently shamed me, <clears throat> is now a lot of times I won't want to start a thing because I can't. Like I bought John Wick 2, which I've been dying to see. And I was like, nope, stop it. Don't look at the iPad and like try to watch a movie. Like, don't be that guy. No, I don't have a problem with watching movies on on the iPad. I no, 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 no. While I'm fiddling with the i, while I, while I'm looking at Tweetbot. 
Oh, when you're not actually watching the movie, like yeah. to actually watch watch the movie, which I mostly which I mostly do. Well, you can't change people like that. That's the thing. Like some people with the TV shows or the music listening, we discussed this when yeah. we had Ryder going. Like if you're an active listener or if you just want music on in the background, and it's just, I think it's just in your nature. I don't know if there's much you can do about that. I would yeah. encourage you to not start watching a movie unless you know you have two hours. Like don't start watching a movie half an hour before you know how to leave the house. That's a good idea. I should story. do that. I should I should do that. But beyond that, like especially if it's not holding your attention or if you're just the type of person who you know need, needs to uh, you know be doing something else while the movie is playing yeah i don't know what can you do sounds like tiff does that tiff likes to like wander around the house while the tv's on yeah i heard that too on the top four but that's different that's more like uh people Price who just have the tv right. on yeah. you know the tv on all day families sure or like a hot dog place like you just got a place where they just got judge judy on all day they turn on the tv when they wake up you watch the news you see the weather and then it's on until they go to bed it's just on all day now no no one is watching it probably maybe no one is in that room for hours at a time uh, but the TV is on all day. Very similar to the radio. Some people are radio families. Oh, radio that's on me all day and, that's families. That's me in public radio a lot of times. You just turn the radio on in the kitchen when you wake up, and it is just on all day. And I guess you turn it off. Some people don't turn it off at night. Some, here's another thing. So this is not a family thing. This is more of a personal thing. Uh, people who need to have the television on in the room where they're sleeping or they can't go to sleep. Yeah. And not for uh, tinnitus reasons. That's a big tinnitus thing. Uh, who knows what the reasons are? Like, I think people's reasons vary. You know, it's not, I don't think there's any spe- specific I think reason. some people don't like, don't like being alone. Yeah, well, that's what they say. But if you're leaving like a dog home alone or something, you leave the TV on so they hear voices so they don't get lonely. I'm, I always wonder about that recommendation and whether the dog thinks this is a legit thing. Because I feel like the dog knows what I the think hell. That, that, sounds like tor- that sounds like torture to me. How do you know what the dog wants to listen to? Yeah, and second of all, uh, I think the dog knows what the TV is. Yeah. Well, you're not fooling anybody with that. Although I've seen the cats attack things on the TV, but cats are stupid. Hmm. They're so they're so stupid. But like, but I mean, if if we're smart enough of creatures to like having the radio on all day, we we I think it's mainly a matter of taste. Like, how do you find out what it is your dog wants? You could do like a double blind, have like an intern come in, <laughs> try some different things. He looks kind of movie. What, what a dog wants. What a dog wants. A dog's purpose. <laughs> what's what's most important to a dog? <laughs> Guarantee. No more public radio. No more cats in this house. <laughs> I'm Robert Siegel. Yeah, but no. Anyway, I'm I'm the opposite of all of those things. I do not want a television <laughs> on. When, I don't when in the house. I don't want the radio on. Right. Uh, you know, I just I'm actively participating in any of those things. And if I'm in a house where the television is on all the time, I slowly go mad. And you know, I will I will go and quietly turn off the TV that's on in the room that no one has been in for half an hour, and then get scolded by the master of the house whoever that may be, that, hey, who turned off the TV when they wander in an hour later and realize television has been off for an hour and 45 It's like turning off the air conditioning to them. It's like, why would you yeah. do that? This is, yeah. And also, maybe, I don't want to be ageist, but I also feel like uh, I've encountered a lot of people who have a three-part, a tripartite way that they do that. One is the TV is on all day. Second, it's on a news station, often CNN. And C, it's really just a little bit louder than you would like, even if it was something that you wanted to be listening to. Oh, I mean, this is going to be all of us eventually, I assume. But yes, obviously, as people get older, their ears get worse and they crank that volume when they're in the room. And for the people who are, want TV on all day, as loud as it has to be when they're in the room, if they want to be able to have a chance of hearing it when they're two rooms away, it has to be astronomically loud. Like, you know, they don't people don't realize how aggressive that is, how hostile that feels being on the receiving end. Well, you know this, you've, you've got a bird enemy being on the receiving end of some kind of noise that you cannot control it really is maddening. Speaking of which, uh, just real quick, any uh, bird follow-up? Uh, no, no exciting developments. I do still feel like the bird is 
moving farther away from my house, like a, like a mm, thunderstorm okay. is receding. Uh, <laughs> he's still out there. I still hear him, but I now I feel like he might even be like a block over. And I, and again, I nothing I did made this happen. I am just happy that it is happening. And I hope that by the time he, if he ever does decide to come back, we'll be well and truly into uh, window unit air conditioner season, and I'll be able to drown him out with white noise. Oh, good. Did you ever get a wrist rocket? Never did. Hmm. Just just thinking about it and browsing them is that's that's the uh, the old man equivalent of getting a wrist rocket. I isn't know it? my my parents used to do that. They used to look through catalogs and, and fill it out and everything, but not send it in. It's kind of sweet and sad. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's like write, write your worries on a piece of paper and then you uh, crumple it up, right? You bring your, yeah, same thing. Bring, bring your wife a, uh, a pair. Stuff your sorries in a stack. <laughs> Stuff your sorries in a sack? Yeah. Is that, is that what you just said? You never heard that one? I Google, I guarantee you Google autocomplete that. Let's see. That is really hard. To, that is, that's really hard to say. <laughs> and is that, a, is that a quit your bitching type situation? Stuff, I type stuff your S-O and it auto-completes to stuff your sorries in a sack. <laughs> oh, it's Seinfeld. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I only wake you for the important meetings. <laughs> I still say that. And people look so crestfallen. Like, I've just said the worst insult to them. They go, what, what, what are you guys talking about? Like, oh, don't worry, we only wake you for the important meetings. Like, huh, it's kind of hurtful. <laughs> it's like, it's a joke. We're just getting angry. <laughs> so anyway, our thanks to Nerdwriter One. Does he have a one? Is it the digit one at the end the of his poor name? guy? The poor guy. I, I, you know, now I really want to know what Nerdwriter Zero, what Nerdwriter Prime is. Let's see, Nerdwriter Zero. There is no Nerdwriter Zero. There's a Nerdwriter with no number. Oh, burn! This channel does not exist. That sucks. You know that guy had to get that because of some namespace type situation. Then this person, the Nerdwriter person, must have gone away. Oh, that sucks, don't you think? Yeah, I don't know. Can you rename channels? I don't know about how the YouTube world works. Like, at a certain point, is the one part of his branding? He doesn't want to abandon it. But, like, if your branding requires putting a numeral after it, not good. No, I agree. I agree. Pe- Pepsi this, 69. This is a cultural divide. I've tried to teach my children. I know. In the my, da- my daughter wonders possible. why all her, my daughter has three email addresses, her own website. She has lots of things. And when I tell her what it is, it's a cute name we had for her. As a, as a kid. And I have oh, to explain well, this. Kid, kids don't like that, though. Well, they, they need to stuff their sorries in a sack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, I though. What I encourage my you... kids to do is when they have to pick a username for themselves, like I teach them, like, don't, you know, don't use things that are identifying because you're a minor. So don't use your first name or your last name or anything that, you know, anything like that. And if you think of a cool name for yourself or a handle, an online handle, that's a, a fun thing to do. Think about it carefully because, you know, it's not a boogie situation that could stick with you for a long time and you get to pick yeah, like, it yourself. Like hot young felch. <laughs> you got to be careful. You got to get the tonality right. Yeah. And if it turns out that you thought a really cool name and that name is taken, yeah. you must under no circumstances uniqueify it by adding digits or underscores or other oh, things like that. that is like such that. a beta or, thing to do. Oh, my goodness. Or, or, or putting up, but now not a team. You, you're using those... Uh, using those terms ironically that it's was still just some- for you i know it's still great though it's still great yeah. telling me i know you're doing it ironically i know I you know. don't actually mean it like that but it still bothers yeah. me well, anyway i'm a bit of a um, cuck right uh, <laughs> you cannot add numbers you cannot add x's at the beginning mm-hmm. and the end. you cannot add underscores you cannot add stars Mook, run the other way run the other way run toward creativity town right and you go have with something to think really of a crazy different name that that fits unadorned right That's she said you no, have to do. She, i don't i'm not gonna let her have this because I'm, I'm gonna say it out loud she said oh I, I could do uh klaus loves to read 
because she's on the eleventh uh, Lemony Snicket book. And I was like, that's, that's actually pretty, not that's too bad. Long. It is, but you know, we should probably just do a whole show where we try and get new names. Because uh, I still now I customarily get email from people that that have like four digit non year uh, numbers after their name. I think it's probably pretty bad right now. Yeah, I mean, it gets to the point like like the story I have back in the the day. It, it'd be you where I knew somebody who. Uh, got confused when being prompted for the, their account username when back when schools let you pick your username. Yeah. Uh, kids don't remember that. Probably it's all mandated these days. And prompted for your password, and she got them reversed. So her oh, username no. was what she thought of as to type for a password, which, of course, was you know, sort of nonsense with numbers in it and everything. Uh. And a lot of these usernames that I see with digits and other stuff in them, they look like passwords to me. And in fact, the people's passwords are probably not even as good as the username. The password is probably, you know, cool guy 420 Right, but the username is 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 zsor one seven eight three five underscore underscore. Like that would be a better password than cool guy four twenty. <laughs> Why is this? Yeah. Mm. So anyway, we spent. I think we spent. I don't know three days trying to come up with my son's PSN username to find something that was acceptable, non-embarrassing, as in not one of the pet names that we had for him, and not not identifiable. Not identifiable and also not taken. Mm. We found one eventually. If we end up talking about household tasks, this is all very much in my portfolio. These are all these are all definitely part of my portfolio. The services you, services you provide. I provide a service, a very unique set of skills. I a lot of what I have to do, and then but I've also got to be a little bit. I'm the IT department, but I'm all, you know I'm, I'm I'm also the IS like enforcer guy. I'm also like, take the games off your computer guy. Like I'm the one who's like, you better not be typing what I think you're typing for a password. Like you need to get in that one password, get in there. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to be the security sheriff. Cool guy, 420. Okay. Is it too early to go into our uh, topic idea? Uh, I think we're, we've uh, addressed the follow-up and we've, we've shocked and we've, oh, uh, what's the past tense of jive? Jive ed. Jive ed. Joved? Another Goat. one. I got. I got. If you want, I got. You see down down in the many topics area. I have mm-hmm. more many topics. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Come on. Oh, come on. Don't change it. I just fixed it. No, they're small. Mm. Mm. It's hard to say. Well, actually, I don't. I'm not entirely sure they are small, but uh, whatever. It is a distinction. Mm. Is it a difference? Mm. Mm. Difference. Mm-hmm. Differ. Uh, first one is really old. We'll come back to that. Second one, I think you don't want to talk about. Third one, you don't probably care about. Did you watch the David Fincher in CGI? Well, no, the third one, I third would one like to hear what the, what the yeah. heck that is. Okay. Tell me. Um, this is many topics. Uh, number three, uh, WWDC as a thing. You have lots of other places, including your other, your other program you do. You have places you can go uh, where you could talk about you know, whether you're going to get your uh, Skybee Lake uh, chocolate chips or whatever. You got a place to talk about all that stuff nobody really cares about and your file systems and whatnot. I, I want to hear an update that's a kind of a combination, a little bit of, yeah, of, of travel, but of, of just a WWDC as a thing, how you've come to think about it, anything you would like to share as you prepare to come to WWDC. Stuff you wouldn't mention on your other program, or maybe you would, I don't know. So WWDC is Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference. That's what those letters stand for. Uh, I've been watching the videos from WWDC for many years. Apple would used to release them on DVDs, like actual plastic discs that they would send you if you paid a certain amount for a special fancy Apple developer account, but couldn't go to the conference. You would receive in the mail a bunch of DVDs that had these tiny, they weren't like DVDs that play in a DVD player. They were usually data DVDs and on them were a bunch of tiny little quick time movies that you could watch hours and hours of these sessions that you could have attended if you were there. Um, and I did that for many years. 
I used that to inform the, my Mac OS X reviews that I wrote, and it was a super important part of it. It was also frustrating because very often the developer conference would happen, and then months and months and months would pass, and then they would release the DVDs. And so I was always waiting for the videos to come out so I could watch them in time for me able to write a review to get it out in you know before the operating system is out. And that schedule started to compress eventually. But at a certain point, I guess around 2011 or so, I got to the point where I was at least in a position to be able to go to the conference myself, even though this is not, it's not like I wasn't getting work to pay for it. It's not part of my day job. But what I would do is I said, well, I could, in theory, take a week of vacation from work. And during that week of vacation, I could get on a plane fly to San Francisco, which would be the longest plane flight I'd ever been on and the farthest I'd ever been from uh, you know, the east, Northeast, and spend a week in San Francisco attending the conference in person. And wouldn't that be better than seeing videos because you would see it in real time and it would be fun and everything like that. But of course, I hate to travel. I hate flying on planes. Don't particularly relish taking a week off of work and spending that not on a vacation where I sit on a beach but in, or see relatives, but instead kind of like a working vacation. But Somehow, I was persuaded to do this, probably through the encouragement of other people who go to WWDC. And it was very stressful and fraught, and I did it. And of course, second year rolls around, and it's easier the second time because you've done it once before, and you survived, and you kind of know how things work, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And I've been going for every year since 2010 or 2011, something like that. And at this point, I've done it enough times that I'm not going to say it is routine, because I still stress about it. And there's always something each year to stress about, in addition to just the plane flight and the travel and being away from family and, you know, all the all that stuff. That is all still there. This year, things get mixed up a little bit because it's going to be in a different city. Not that different. It's close by. Um, so, But the routine, the, the established routine is slightly changed, so I have to deal with that. And this is one of those years where somehow I've been convinced to do something in front of a live audience, which I hate. But I'm doing it, so I have that to worry about. Oh, you guys! Oh, that's right. I I heard your hijinks and antics trying to do that recording setup so that you're going to record live. That's exciting. Just and you don't even need power. <sighs> Marcus got it all worked out. You're going to wear headphones. Yeah. You got to wear headphones. We, you know that? Yeah. All three of us, uh, all the XNL Test Tech Podcast crew, were the guests on a live version of John Gruber's The Talk Show a couple of years back, before all the Apple bigwigs started going on. And that was, you know, not my cup of tea. And now it's just going to be the three of us doing our own live recording of the podcast. Also not my cup of tea, because as far as I'm concerned, podcasting is an opportunity to talk alone in a room wearing my pajamas. Mm -hmm. And being on stage in front of a large number of people is, once again, the opposite of all those things. So, yeah. uh, so anyway, so WWC is a thing. And you know what? It only occurs to me now. Of course, I'm an idiot. It will have been long over by the time this comes out because we're having a wraparound episode. Oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah. I guess it will. All right. Well, uh, by this point, I will have died in a fiery plane crash mm -hmm. or uh, or a car accident on my way to and from transportation, or I will have gone down in flames in front of a live audience, or it will all be over and everything went fine. Yeah, and you know, and you you're probably pretty excited about the new Mac Pros. Um, Not going to be any new Mac Pros. <clears throat> new phones, new phones that were uh, released on the day and date. iTunes rentals up to six months. You can keep it. Yeah. Oh, there's also been a little bit of uh, stress related to WWC about whether 
I get a ticket or not to go to the actual conference. And if I don't get a ticket to the conference, whether I would go anyway, because at this point, a lot of people are just going to see other people who show up there. Right. And I, I enjoy seeing people who also go to AOC as well, but it would be more difficult for me to justify the trip and the time off if I didn't actually have a t- ticket to go to the conference. Right. So then you're spending a week to just hang out with people. Right. Yeah, and right. as much as I love. Do you not do you not have a ticket yet? I do. I do. Okay. Yeah, but I'm saying like every it's a lottery, so oh, you don't no, know. No, I see. If you're I'm sorry. I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. So that's it's a, little that's bit a big of a ask worry. of your family, you know, to let you just go away for a week. Yeah, especially if it's just like I'm going to go away for a week and see a bunch of people who are also going away. It's like, well, you just wanted to see those people. Why can't you arrange to see them, uh, you know, someplace closer and less expensive? And you could even include the family in that. So I don't know. Man, a real leading edge, as far as I'm aware of, of my old becoming more and more of an old man is like how agog I am. When, when people just assume that I can go places and it's, and just, and I, I feel, <clears throat> I feel like I'm either, uh, to use your word, I might be virtue signaling. I can't tell if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, you know, protest too much, but I'll frequently say like, you know, like, uh, I know it, uh, this sounds like a really dorky California thing to say, but like, I have a role in taking care of our child. It's, it's not something where, you know, she just gets parachuted into some place that, takes care of her for 18 hours a day. It's like, no, this is like a thing that we do is like having a child. And if you have a child and then really have a child, there's so much, you'll never do it all. I mean, not even just like washing the spoons and getting clean underwear and like brushing hair, but it's just like, and I feel, I feel really um, kind of not guilty, embarrassed, silly, having to constantly say like, I have to help take care of this kid. Meaning, in addition to me missing out on whatever happened that week is that that is a lot to pass off to somebody else. I don't know. And I, I did you ever, do you, do you feel any of that? I mean, you, you, you make breakfast and stuff. You've got like a role. This isn't about, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm making this less about WWC. I want you to make me feel less like a weirdo. Well, I, I definitely feel that same thing. Uh, it's one of the reasons that it, I didn't go to WWC uh, until eventually like even my wife was telling me you should go. Like, she knows she's going to be home for a week, take care of the kids by herself, like, with no help, right? Yeah. Um, but she what, she was, at that point, encouraging me to go as well. Um, and as the kids get older, it gets a little bit easier. Like, for the past, I don't know, year or so, or maybe maybe less than that, my wife has been traveling a lot for work, so I've had a couple of weeks where I've been the only one to take care of the kids. But they're older, they're more self-sufficient. At a certain point, it becomes a logistical problem of just, can you get them to all their activities as a single person it's more like you management know, like, and mop up just yeah, like travel time like can you actually physically get from your work to location a to location b to location c and like then get them home in time to actually feed them something then to bring them to their two respective activities and to bring like that becomes a bit of a puzzle and is difficult but you know we, we manage it both of us manage it just fine at this point um when the kids were younger it was more difficult um in some respects but on the other hand they didn't have activities mm-hmm. right and you could put them to bed at like seven o'clock those were the days man mm-hmm. so i feel like it bounces out but in terms of going out and doing things i'm 100 percent like that where it's like oh we should go out and do this thing it's like when 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 is that gonna happen I, it yeah. can't be on a weeknight because on a weeknight like the schedule is full like you know <laughs> Is the negative ghost rider the pattern pattern is full? It's uh it, when it's I mean it's not interesting to tell, but like the steps from like child is back in life to child is safely in bed is like that's there's a lot of lot of moving parts to that. I mean, we had taco night tonight. You can't believe what's involved in taco night. It's just crazy. And then on top of that, you still got well now it's it is actually vacation, so it's less stressful. But so I'm gonna say you, you have a little bit of an easier time in that you your schedule is 
slightly more 100%. Swiss cheesy during oh, the absolutely. day. Uh, well, yeah, and it's. I mean, I've. Yeah, it's that way for a reason. You know, I'm I'm lazy. Plus, I want to I want to be available. I don't. You know, it's there's no need for me to ensconce my, at this point in my life. There's no need for me to ensconce myself in some garret and then give a Frenchman's wave to everybody who <clears throat> my family who needs help. Yeah, but for like WWDC week, in theory, you could sneak out for a lunch a couple of those days during the week. Well, if, I mean, it's, if, it, if, it if could correctly summoned, if invoked in the right way. Whereas if WWDC was held in the city where I work and I didn't have off from work, it'd be at work from nine to five. So there's there's that nine yeah. to five is taken. Period. And unless you're going to appear like outside my office in time for a quick lunch, that's you know, and then after five. It's some kind of child pickup duties. And then after that, it's some kind of dinner-related duties. And after that, possibly child activity duties. Then after that, it's putting kids to bed duties. And then mm-hmm. after that, a couple of days a week, it is podcasting duties. So like I said, the, the schedule is full. So trying to say, oh, just, you know, let's go do a thing. It's like, well, weekdays are out. So forget about that. And, and it's, it's, also the amount, it's also the amount of time. It's one thing like my, my wife travels a little bit for work and her being gone for, you know, two days is like, pff, I did a stand on my head. Seven days of that, unless you've got a grandparent or like a friend, friendly sibling, that is, that is a lot of intense everything time. Yeah. And imagine how bad it is for kids with like three or four kids. Like it just becomes, logistically speaking, it just, you know, or you have to change something. You're just like, well, mom's away for a week and a half and you're going to miss these three activities because it's not physically possible for one parent to ferry, you know, four kids or try to arrange for carpools for different schools. And, oh my God. I can't yeah, imagine. I mean, my, my, my two kids are in two different schools Ugh. and they're not particularly close to each other, especially when it comes, you know, rush hour around five, five, six, trying to get from, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I could run from one of their schools to the other <laughs> faster than I can get there in a car. I'm an enigma. I'm also an enigma yeah. that lives like on the whole other side of the peninsula. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> no, yeah, we'll have a bye year. I'll get you next time. I hope they'll come back. No, last year was a bye. I didn't see you last year. I don't think I saw Is you. That right? I think I'm, I think you're under fifty percent for years at WC. You're where under fifty percent. I'm I'm I, there. I actually physically see you. Hmm. You know, I try to get out. <clears throat> it's great. I mean, you just hop on a train, get off a train, you have a drink, you go home when you feel like it. You do the French exit, <whistles> out of there. It's great. I can't uh-huh. do I can't do that in San Jose. San Jose. <laughs> there is no French exit from San Jose. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Blue Apron. You can learn more about Blue Apron right now by visiting blueapron.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. People, not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country, They set the highest quality standards for the community of over 150 local farms, fisheries, and ranchers across the United States. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with fresh, high-quality ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals in 40 minutes or less. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients. And by shipping the exact amount of each ingredient that is required for your recipe, Blue Apron is reducing food waste. Their freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. You can choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Upcoming recipes include warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons, 
spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. Bueno. Elote-style vegetable tostadas with summer squash, poblano peppers, and cilantro rice. That is way too much pronunciación. Lo siento mucho. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron delivers to 99% of the continental U.S. That is a lot of percent. And there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. So please go check out this week's menu. And you're going to get three meals free with your first purchase with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash diffs. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So please don't wait. You go, you visit blueapron.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Our thanks to Blue Apron for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Uh, we have a uh, main topic this week that you once uh, described as a trap. And so uh, I had I had put this up here as a main topic. Uh, I'm calling housework and house duties. Now, it seems to me like you worry that there's some kind of a trap here where this is going to get back to our, our family, and then we're going to get in all kinds of trouble for saying stuff. I didn't really mean it that way. I was just more curious about how you – know, I'd like to talk about how, how we decide on division of labor, who does what – and then are there kinds of things around the house that you particularly like or don't like doing? I don't think that has to be fraught. Oh, it's 100% fraught. But then I quickly realized once you came back to me when I first said this was a trap that your wife doesn't listen to this program. So it's not a trap for you. Yeah. You can say any BS you want and I you do. don't have I to do, deal John, with the I really, fallout. I do. Yeah, I do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. You think like, oh, no, I'm going to be 100% honest. There's no way that were my wife to listen to this episode, she would object to nothing that I said. But she will. No matter what you say, that's that's why it's a trap. You got a danged if you do and don't type situation because if she listens and you speak honestly, you're probably going to get in Dutch. But if you exaggerate your help and influence, you're going to maybe get in even more no, trouble. What I'm saying is that neither one of us is self-aware enough about what we actually do around the house to to hmm. accurately represent reality in a way that is satisfying to our spouses. And we should skip down to virtue signaling. That's a, that's a really that's a very that's a very woke position, John. Is there anything you'd feel comfortable? Is there anything you feel comfortable talking about tonight, John? That wouldn't that wouldn't bring upon you this the oh, scorn? I'm, I'm going to do it. Like I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. Like did, by you by guys. putting <laughs> by putting this in the topic list is it is it is a trap, and we're laying it for ourselves. And now we are going to walk into the bear trap and stomp on well, that forget little. Forget it. I don't want to talk about this now. I don't. Now you got me all self conscious about it. I don't want to hurt anybody. Well, but you don't have to worry. Your wife doesn't listen. It'll be fine. You can say anything you well, want. Well, I don't know. See now, now you made me self conscious. You you did that. You made me self conscious. <laughs> so, wait, I just that's my preface. That's why I thought it was a trap. I think well, I do want to talk about it. We should talk about it. We just have to. We have to take our medicine. The only the only way you improve. I don't like this at all. I this is this is very very. It's it's it's, it's Memorial Day. I could be home with my family watching uh, Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. First one? I think so, yeah, yeah. She hasn't read the mm. books yet. Oh, did I tell you she's reading Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. They read Hobbit all the way through, and now she's into the Lord of the Rings. That's good stuff. Mm. All right, well, where do you want to start? I, 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 I just, I've been working on my list of the kinds of things, we could talk about how you decide who does what. Is it based on affinity, convenience, necessity? What are the things that govern who ends up doing what? How do they feel about it? But then I thought I also thought it'd be a nice Garrison Keeler esque meditation on the kinds of uh, whatever you want to call it work around the house 
that you particularly maybe don't enjoy, but I'd like to talk about things you do enjoy. Are there things you look forward to doing? Are there certain kinds of tasks that you find meditative? Now, if, if, get, if talking about this is going to get you in trouble with our wives, I, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to get in trouble with your wife. You do that. <laughs> uh, we, we could start with with the division of labor because I would love to hear how that how you work that out. I hate this so much. This is such a, this is such a sweet, benign, pastoral topic. I don't know how you can think this benign. It shows me that I'm not helping. E- either either you are doing a way better job of being a husband than I am, or you are blissfully ignorant. Oh well, that's, that's <laughs> quite a Hobson's choice. I'm saying I don't know um, which it is. I, you may you may be just super awesome at this stuff, get and you, I get suck. You a, or, get you a man or, who can do both, <laughs> or it could be that you think you're awesome, but you're not. You're just like I'm the, the Dunning and the Kruger. You're right. <laughs> I can't tell what. <laughs> I'm, I'm so self aware. I don't remember which part of it's the title. All right. I like you know washing dishes, except for the silverware. I leave that. For, <laughs> I leave that for her. She's better at it. I like uh, I like tidying things in another room. I like I like sorting Lego, which nobody has requested. <laughs> so I've I've got I've got the, the things that I enjoy, the things that I don't mind that much, and then the stuff that I don't like so much. All right, so why don't we why don't we why don't we cut? You see, you keep trying to go to things like and dislike and avoiding uh, division of labor because now you're scared of it. But you, I feel you're like doing we're just that. Gonna, you're avoiding it. We're just gonna go. We're gonna write. We're gonna jump right to it. We're gonna what? Pull the bandaid off. Whatever the the expression yeah. is, we're gonna do here. Let's break it down percentage-wise. Household work that needs to be done between you and your spouse. Let's not count the kids because we know they do nothing except for make messes mm-hmm. at this point. <sighs> um, how, how do you, what, how's it break down percentage-wise? Well, your house? and uh, percentage-wise, that's a pretty... Yes, yeah, so that's what this comes down to mm, eventually. Uh, I mean, in terms of effort, in terms of inconvenience, <laughs> in terms of putting your back into I, I it. you have to do it in terms of volume of work done. You can't say if effort. If you do because... what you love, you'll never work a day in your life, John. Mm, you ever heard yeah. that? that? Yes, I have. That's why you can't do it on like enjoyment or like effort or whatever. It's like there's a certain amount of things to me need to be done. There's a certain you're just, number you're of You're not satisfied until everything's a grind. If it's not a grind, you're not done. It's not a grind. I'm just trying to get to, get to the, the core of the issue here, which is there's right. a certain amount of stuff that needs to be done and you can quantify it in some way, whether it's number of dishes that uh, need to be You're clean, skipping over the most interesting part of the discussion to get to the, the most fraught We're and difficult. We're skipping it. We're going to go to that second. Uh, go to that second. I would say... <sighs> I don't even have enough asterisks in this box. It depends. I would say in general, um, she does more. Well, first of all, she does everything better than me. That doesn't stop me from trying. Yeah, we're not. We're not talking about uh, qualitative at this point. It's just quantitative. Um, I think in terms of the high impact stuff, uh, I'll, I'll say she does more. Yeah, but percentage wise, more like more pie. Fifty one percent. I don't know. You can't quantify it. Yeah, you can though. You do that. She does. She does a lot of stuff like she deals with clothes in general. I mean, I buy my own clothes, but almost everything else having to do with clothes, she handles. Mm-hmm. And uh, whereas I, hang on, have you seen the laundry bags? I'm actually getting a text right now. Um, ask her. Ask her the question, please. Just please I'm ask sorry, her the question. I, can't, I lost the connection. Oh, come on, come on, just ask her. It'll be the best thing ever. All right, all for, right for the podcast, right. do it for the podcast. Say, hey, we're talking about household uh, chores and household work. Percentage wise, uh, what percent of that would you say that I do versus you? Okay, hey, I haven't seen them. Also, get her on the microphone. Okay, now and then I say, 
Also, Syracusa has a question for you. Who, let's see, what percentage of housework does each of us do? Okay, she may not get that for a while. Okay, I'll, I'll respond back to that. Um, more and then other kinds of things. So I do stuff like, I think I do most of the, the cooking depending on who's available. I do, I, I see, she does the dishes so much better than me. She does the whole cleaning of the kitchen so much better than me. Like no matter what I do, it, it just, it looks like there's been a party. Like I think I've done a really good job and it still just doesn't look good. I think I don't have the eye for it. She has, she has a very aesthetic eye and I like to think that I have a very kind of practical eye. But but those she's really better at both when it comes to lots of things. So I'd say she does more. I'll, I haven't heard back from her in text yet, but that's yeah. uh yeah. You just said more, but like more is like I said, that's fifty one percent until we get until you are willing to pin it down. Why are you making this so difficult for me? What what? Oh, you know what it is. I see. Yep, I get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just I'll tell you even that even your numbered de- episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your your description of how much better your wife does certain things than you mm-hmm. is the classic. Uh, <sighs> cop out for men uh, as to why they don't do uh, housework. I do it myself. Oh we all do it. We all do it. Like pinning the ribbon on. If I do it, uh, it will just be done not to your satisfaction. That's why you have to do it because you're so much uh, better at it. Than that is like, so it's, it's, lazy. I know what is, you're. But it is a cliche for a reason. It is a cliche. Sometimes it's true, but sometimes it, it is also a very big cliche. And, and we've all said it, and we all do it, and it's a thing. I can imagine. Being on both sides of that, it can be difficult to hear that after a certain point. Like, well, if you did it more, maybe you'd get better at it. Or if you actually tried or learned how to do it the right way, then I wouldn't do it better than you. Yes. So on and so forth. It's a stand-up bit. There's a whole stand-up bit of, like, if you keep, like, putting the dog in the dishwasher, eventually they're going to say, like, like, don't do that anymore. Just don't touch mm-hmm. it. Right? Yep. And that's, you know, that's not a good dynamic right now. But obviously... The, the true side of that is there are some things getting more towards the, the second part of this that people like that one person cares about more than the other. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I'm sure you could name jobs that you would not want your spouse to do that. You want like, Oh, like, absolutely. Joke, no, this not, is where the real selfishness comes in. Is there stuff I like doing? I, I think it's an opportunity stake. Yeah. Like doing or don't like it when someone else does it because oh, they brother. will never do it the way that you want it to be done. I get to send the other thing, but yep, there's a certain way. <sighs> okay, hang on. I need to respond here. I'm going to say thank you. Okay, if I share this with John and, and the world. It's a two state, it's a two party, two party state. John and our listeners. So I'm never going to get used to this Bluetooth keyboard. I, I should, you know, it's probably, it probably wasn't crashing my Mac. I should go back to the other one. Okay, if I share this with John and our listeners, and then I add a question mark because I forgot it. I think she's, okay, before she, she approves this, I'm just going to say the number that she has given me is, I think, very generous, over, over generous to me. But these are her words. She's responding. I've got the dots. Oh, look at that. She says yes. And I'm going to say, thank you. Love you, girls. Exclamation point. See if you don't if you say love you girls but you leave off the exclamation point they think you're mad. <laughs> Do they? Mm-hmm. Boy, it's a good thing they don't listen to the show. <laughs> uh, so she wants to know where the laundry bags are and can I leave a play date? Yes, and I don't know where the bags are. So I guess that tells you all you need to know. Uh, I said, uh, Syracuse has a question for you. What percentage of housework does each of us do? He wants a pie graph. She responds, hmm. 
ellipsis. I'd say it's 60-40, me slash you. And I said, really? You being honest? And she said, or maybe 50-30-20, me, you outsourced. She's, I got the bubble she's typing again. Oh boy, this is, you know what? This is a bad idea. I really, I really, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> 50, 30, 20, to be clear, uh, it's the 20 that would be the outsource, right? Yeah. Okay. I think that's a little low too. Well, but outsource, we're not counting. Like, uh, obviously, outsource, then it's either, <laughs> okay, well, either that, one of you. That's a, that's a different pie altogether. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. Well, you are doing much better than I am, I'll tell you that. Really? Assuming those numbers, assuming those numbers are accurate, or your wife is is being well, this much is, nicer. You're, you're jumping, God, jumping past all the most interesting parts of this, which is like there's so many ins and outs and what have you. We're not jumping past. I'm. Oh. I, we get this. We'll get this out of the way so we can move it's on. Like to you're the asking more, me to give you an answer before I get to solve the problem. The for, no, you. We got. We got. Well, so anyway, those are her numbers. You you think they're being generous? So, but but more or less seems like ballpark. Maybe I think you this think entire maybe. thought technology is very confused because of the way that you're approaching it. I think it's very, very confusing. It's like, are you asking me, which, which one of your kids do you love more showing in a pie graph? And it's a complicated question. <laughs> no, have to learn. it's not the same thing at all. It is the same thing, mathematically. <laughs> I would need to learn. the dishes are not your I would children. Learn, so that's what you say. I want to learn more about like what your, your background with the kids and how much I can trust your own cognition. Because I don't even think that makes a pie. That might make a cake. And that, what kind of graph are you going to have then, smart pants? All right. You, you want to talk about I think, uh, I think, like and dislike? We can move no, on to that. If no, you, you go ahead. Now you, okay. So here we go. Sorry, Tina. Um, you uh, do some things around the house. If you were going to try and express it as a pie graph in which you split it up into who does what percentage without regard to what's going on, what percentage would you estimate you do versus what your wife and your useless children do? <laughs> pie graphs are very misleading, you know. You definitely go with yeah. the bar. I shouldn't, you know what? The pie numeric. graph was bad. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. That's right. The area is very misleading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to get one of those Dr. Drang, like rolling uh, average type situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say my estimation is like, I'm going to say 70 30, 75 25. I think she's, she's, she she's the 75. Say, I think she would say 80 20 mm. or worse. Like, I think, I think we're close. In on the, the numbers, in the but I think zone. she would. There's a there's a five percent that she would that she would say that I'm wrong by. Wow. Uh, and it, and depending on the day, you know, she could be right. Yeah. And uh, in both of our cases, these are not, not equitable splits. There, we're not we're not in the fifty fifty ballpark. No one is entertaining. Well, once the we idea get over that we are the part, I want to talk about this is going to get a ton more interesting because I think part of the problem is like okay and to go back to your cliche. I think the true cliche about about one person deliberately doing it badly so the other person will do it at all. Mm-hmm. I think that is a thing. I think it goes all different ways. You could just call that with roommates. That is not a gender. It doesn't have to be a gendered situation. That's a roommate mm-hmm. thing. That's a lazy person thing. And I, th- I think that is a thing. But here's the other thing is that if, if it's something you don't mind doing, if it's something you like doing, if it's something that's not difficult for you to do, there's this whole axis of how you feel about doing it. Now I'm thinking of like you got an X and a Y axis. There might be a Z too. But you've got the, like how difficult is this thing to do? How much do I enjoy it? And then like how important or how how much of a dependency is it to other things happening, right? So like if you're if it's if it's well, I guess one example is if it's the kid's birthday party, you were supposed to get a cake and you didn't get it, you're not going to have a lot of excuses for how that went because that was really important and even if it wasn't fun, like that's still a thing you're supposed to do. And so that's why for me, like I have this constellation of tiny tasks that any capuchin monkey could do that I think I do fairly well, and I do a, like a, pretty much like a, like a like a like a clock, pretty much mostly. You could, I think I could always take out the compost more frequently. You're, you know what I mean? 
I'm thinking a little bit about not wanting to waste bags, but really I should treat myself and just take it out all, like just always be taking out the compost. But you know what I'm saying? That and this is why I think it's more than a pie graph because then it gets into, well, like, what if you're the person who is doing 90% of the work and it's it's thankless but critical, right? And it's sort of like, again, back to the information janitor situation where if you mess up, everybody's going to notice, even though you are like already the all-star on the team. So what kind of stuff do you do? You do breakfast. Yes, you, fa- you famously do I, breakfast. I definitely don't. Th- just get back to your way you frame that. I don't think of it in terms of importance. Like that's an interesting lens through which to view, like like the birthday cake, obviously being way more important than like you know taking out the compost. Oh, you don't do it this one day, you do it the next day, like whatever. Whereas if you don't have the birthday cake, like they, they're both they're both menial. Well, like routine, or, or even you know. down to like milk. Milk is important, and you don't want to run out of milk. Like if you run out of milk, it's your job to have milk in there. You screwed up. This is why mm-hmm. I'm a three is two, two is one, one is one guy. Where I feel like as soon as you've begun one milk, I know that's my job to notice that. Nobody, of course, of course. Why would anyone tell me that? Even though I get yelled at for it, that mm-hmm. I've got to monitor that toilet paper. If there's toilet paper gone, that's daddy's problem. And so that's an example where like you really notice the the fail rate is can be unacceptable if you're not staying on top of a very small non-critical thing. Even though it's not, you're not out of it yet. You will be out of it, but like you've got to be in front of that. Yeah. So in terms of importance, I've probably the main important things that I do involve kid transport, I guess. You got to be somewhere to pick the kid up, you know, like, and that's kind of, there's, there's no avoiding that, especially with these hard deadlines of uh, aftercare programs and camps and whatnot. There's not a lot of leeway there, which basically means that my working life is constrained on one or both ends, depending on the season uh, of I can't get to work before time X because I have to see the kids onto the bus because <laughs> I have to see the kids off to the place where the camp picks them up or whatever. Like, so that is, that is a thing that I can't control. And if the school and or camp bus is late, what can you do? But you've got like a rally. You're like, you know, you're going to bullseye some uh, womp rats. Like you can't get there too early. You can't be there too late. There's a window and there's like a sphincter that's closing that you're going to have to dive through. Right. And then you go to work after that. So there's your beginning window. And the ending window is we will only stay here with your kid until X time. And if you come after X time, we're going to be super mad and maybe we'll even charge you money and we'll certainly give you the stink eye and we'll put you on the list of bad parents. And so that means, hey, a meeting is running late or can you go to can you do a meeting from 530 to 630? No. Like, uh, oh, it's five o'clock. I mean, we'll just stay an extra 15 minutes. And then you're in like the zone of like, I need to get out of here because it will take me 20 minutes to get out of the parking garage if I don't leave right this second. But I don't have to explain that to a room full of important people at work. And so that is a slightly fraught situation. So managing that, because that is like, if your kid is sitting there, you get like the, the visions of your child. I mean, it's harder when they're younger, obviously, when they're older, it's not as a big deal. But your child sitting there waiting for their parent to arrive and the parent never arrives. And they're the last one there, the last one there at daycare, the last one there at aftercare, the last one there at school, the last one there at camp, and they're waiting for their parent to come and you need to be there. And there's no one else to pick up that slack because very often, in our current arrangement anyway, my wife is doing the other kid because it's impossible for one person to get both of them because they're in disparate situations, right? And so you can't even call on the other parent a lot of the time to say, can you backfill for me? Because they are on the other side of town getting the other kid. And so kid-related activities and transport are probably... The, uh, the the most critical things that I'm involved with in any way, which is not to say they're the most critical things that need to be done, but those are the things that I'm involved in. And and just it's because they have to be. And to be clear, in, in both of our situations, uh, both parents work like no one is 
home and just like all they do is uh, kid duties, right? So we're all, right. we all have some other obligations that we have to deal with in addition to the household stuff. And even if they didn't, like I said, it's a, physically speaking, even if they, one of us didn't work, sometimes you just can't be in two places at once. And as you describe it, though, it is um, hmm, difficult, stressful. I mean, a lot of your time is like threading that needle and then dealing with the unknowns of traffic, for example. Yeah. I mean, and that's just what you have. You have to manage that. So that's the situation where like if the birthday cake isn't there or whatever, you know, like. Well, I've, I've learned I've learned that it really helps And this. I, and forgive me if I'm I'm sound like I'm being snooty, but I think it really helps to take into account how how different the entire world is from wherever you are, probably. Right. So, so for us, I mean, like when I, people must, I can just, I can hear it in my head when I talk about how much we walk and how much I like walking, because I think about almost everywhere else I've ever lived ever. You just don't, you don't walk to get groceries. Like that would be the craziest thing in the world. So I always try to, I try to keep that in mind. But also if you think about like you throw two kids into an SUV, drive 60 miles an hour for five minutes to drop one kid off, drive 70 miles an hour for five minutes to drop the other kid off. That's not what I just want to be clear. In your case, you're in probably one of the worst traffic towns in the world. Well, you're outside Boston, but no, the traffic, tra- uh, it's not, it's, we are not in the worst traffic place in the world, but we have where our house is and where our schools are and everything. If you look on the map, like I, it, I'm always shocked when I go to Google maps and I like, and I see what the actual measured distance is. And it's like 3.2 miles. I'm like 3.2 miles. Why does it take <laughs> me 45 minutes every day? Why oh, do I have to budget? No. Why do I have to budget 45 minutes? Uh, for Ugh. me personally, in my the commutes that I do, it is all low speed roads. And it's the type of situation where you're counting how many cycles of this light you've been at. Like, I've seen this light cycle three times. Getting out of the parking garage, as I said, we have a parking crunch at work and have for years. If I don't get my car out of the parking garage, from the sixth floor of the parking garage, out of that the building that the parking garage is in, by a certain time, I will spend literally 20 minutes in the parking garage. So it's like a series of little rallies about uh, being not too early and not too late for any given thing. Right. And you just, and it's something you just have to manage because like, I mean, sometimes you can, you can have an out. Sometimes you're lucky enough and your spouse got out early and they got one kid and they can swing by and get the other one. But sometimes you're the one who has to come by and get the other kid because they're late or whatever. And so it's, it's a, uh, a delicate balancing act. I mean, for the most part, we've been able to manage it again. I'm listening. This is an important thing. I do. My wife does the exact same thing even more so because she is traveling farther distances her traffic situation is worse because the distance is actually farther. It's not three miles mm-hmm. and it can take you. She's actual long distance away. And if her traffic gets better, there's an accident on the highway or something like that. She could take hours to get home. I, oh, I remember one, God. one situation we had was a, a couple of years ago. What was it? I must have been, you know, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Snow weather is, is a big thing in terms of getting the kids to and from the right places at the right time. And, this is a situation where it started snowing when we were all at work and we all should have left work earlier than we did, but we left when we left and everyone was just trapped on, on the roads in the snow. And I was, uh, I was on the road without a kid, luckily, because this was before we had uh, two kids to pick up everywhere for four and a half hours to get home. Uh, and that was not fun. That was, that was, I, I pulled the moral on that one and that if you know, I hadn't, I hadn't properly scheduled and trying to get it to work quickly. Like, I just got to get out of here because the snow is falling and the roads are filling up and I got to get out, got to get out. And I didn't, I didn't properly plan for being in the car four and a half hours. So at about three and a quarter hours, I had to pull over to the side of the road and take a leak in a snowy parking lot <laughs> because I didn't, did not plan to be in the car that long. Yeah. I was like, look, there's no rest stop. There's nowhere I can go. 
I need to, this is going to happen now. Um, so my wife, on the other hand, was stuck in that same snow for a similar amount of time, maybe even longer, four and a half, five hours, with a screaming child in the car seat in the back of the car. Oh, dear. This is your older son. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Did she have to pee? She did not have to pee, but I... She kept it having, together. Having been in a car with a screaming child for a long time. Yeah, so, you know, you, you never know what, what you're going to get. So, yeah, kid transport and just physically being the places where you were obligated to be at the times you're obligated to be them, whether they be work or home or picking up or dropping off is uh, is a big thing. What would you say is the uh, first among equals for her? What's the most important thing she does? Everything. Everything mm-hmm. she does is important. They're all she number, does, they're all number she, one. She does all the uh, important things that you need to run a household, either entirely or mostly. She does all the laundry. She does all the shopping. She doesn't do all the cooking. I, I do at least half of the cooking. Um, what, about, what about cleanup after cooking? Well, if if she cooks, I clean up. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty good about cleaning. So getting to the things that uh, that you like doing. Yeah. One of the things that I actually, I'm not going to say I enjoy it, but that I have that I have my ways, and that there is a slight enjoyable aspect of it is cleaning <laughs> dishwasher. No, I'm not in the dishwasher. She the dishwasher is an area of conflict because I feel like I am I am competent to do it. She disagrees, mm-hmm. but I will do it, and then she will redo it. So this this is a situation where we need to fix things. But washing dishes and cleaning up in the kitchen. I'm at the point now where I would rather just let me do the kitchen. Like, after dinner is over, just vacate and just, just leave me in the kitchen and I will handle everything that's in there. And we'll get, you know, I'll do do everything. Um, and some of the jobs I do not to my wife's satisfaction, but I, I just want to do them all. So I will I will watch no, the t- dishes. T- 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 can I ask a little, little more? Like, what? why is that? Because you like the way you do it? Uh, there's a little bit of that. Um, but it's, well... I'm trying to look at like the, the household things that I like versus things that I don't like thinking about this and anticipation of the topic. And I think one one thread for me personally is, uh, do you remember that internet meme that was going around? It was like a bunch of images that would show like a bunch of pencils all lined up with one of them poking out or like a bookshelf with one book, like not in the right place or upside down. Do you ever see that one? It's like knolling, but with one thing askew. So I don't like, know what like, is. Well, like, like, you know, those kinds of like things well organized. Type things. Yeah, 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 but yeah, exactly. But but, but one, you know, it, and it was a series of images that are supposed to annoy a certain type of person. Sure, yeah, I'm, no, I, I, I'm the I, type I, of I person. That. That yeah, like like everything's perfectly lined up, like Mr. Huff's uh, pencils, and then one of them is just slightly wrong. Yeah, so it's people who want things to be ordered and taking thing something that is chaos, like a kitchen after a meal has been prepared, and turning it back into ordered, taking the silver out of the thing putting the big forks with the big forks, the little forks with the little forks, like taking something that's a mess and making it ordered. That appeals to my, the, the same thing it is the flip side of me finding it upsetting to see a picture of a bunch of stuff where one of them is messed up, right? So that's in there. And now if that was my overriding, if that motivated all of my actions in the house, I'd be cleaning everything, but I'm not, right? But for certain things that qualify. So, so big, giant, messy kitchen where everything is a mess, there's a certain satisfaction I get out of taking that mess and defeating it and producing a kitchen where everything is cleaned and drying or in the washing, uh, in the dishwasher or whatever. Um, so I will do that. The second aspect of washing dishes that appeals to me is because of my RSI issues, especially if after a long day of being at work or whatever, mm-hmm. having warm water go on my hands feels good. 
Oh, that's super interesting. So that, I have not going to lie, that is actually a big factor, especially in the wintertime when my hands are always cold. Getting to put my hands under warm water for a half an hour as I clean every single pot and pan in existence has a certain appeal from a physical therapeutic point of view. Uh, And the reason I want to be in there and do it myself is because we don't have a big kitchen. And when other people are in there and just bumping into each other, everybody's just like, just, I I don't need someone to help me dry. I don't need someone to do any, I will do it all myself. And Mm -hmm. if I, if the drying rack fills, I will stop washing, turn off the water, turn my attention to the drying rack, hand dry and put away the pots and pans until the drying rack is empty and then resume washing, which takes longer than having multiple people do it. But I still find it more relaxing than having to manage with multiple people running around in the kitchen so i would definitely do cleanup stuff and for cooking i don't know if it's 50 50 you know what they say with the whole like perception of uh uh men trying to write how often women talk in conversations and they say if women talk like 10 percent of the time men perceive it to be 50 percent hmm. i think i do about 50 percent of the cooking i don't know if that means i do 10 percent of the cooking. cooking the cooking i have to say is like that's the only thing that makes cooking difficult for me is I am famously very tightly wound. I want hot food that all arrives at the same time. I don't care if we're eating on the floor with our hands. Yeah. But, but whatever it is, I want everything to come out yeah, piping I, hot I, at the same I, time. And and I, I, and I, I'm frequently like yelling, okay. And I, so I'm giving countdowns. I'm being that guy. It's like, just so you know, like tonight, taco night, we had two kinds of meats, a lot of preparation. You got now, the thing is now I got to warm up the tortilla, but then we're going to finish it over here in the cast iron skillet. And like, there's a lot of moving parts here. Like, I don't want this medium rare to go to medium. Let's, and so, but I mean, the actual cooking, the cooking, cooking is not difficult. I think shopping is way more of a pain in the butt than cooking, personally. Well, it's, there's a pain in the butt. Like, here's the thing with cooking. Cooking is two factors. Oh, I'm, before I get onto the cooking thing, I, I am totally with you on the hot food thing, because I am obsessed with that. Do you ever do the thing, I do this frequently, where you will manage that by serving everybody else their stuff? Mm-hmm. And making sure they're actually, like, they're all ready to go and they're settled and they're eating before you do your thing so that your thing can be eaten immediately at its oh, maximum, uh, like, hotness? Of, of course. It's a central tenet that makes the system work. Because <laughs> otherwise, no, you would all just my, get All my daughter cares about now. is that there's something on TV because that's our TV time. She doesn't care what it is. I could serve her, like, you know, a bunch of white sauce in a sewer lid and she'd be happy. She'd be fine. But for me, my meat is still in the aluminum foil sitting there ready to be, you know, fixed up. And like, you know, like I, you know, I still don't warm the bowls like you do, but I'll do all kinds of really complicated business to try and have everything like I, there's, I'll leave many things off until the last possible minute. Like if we're microwaving, like, you know, steamed broccoli, like that'll be the very last thing. Cause that's going to get cold really fast. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like that. I don't know. I don't know. There's got to be something in me that's a little bit broken, but, uh, for some reason, I, I, I you know what? Part of it is just the challenge of it. I like the challenge of like. All of these things would be good on their own, but for them all to hit the plate hot, that that feels like a brass ring. Yeah, that, that's a difficult thing to do. I'm, I'm not the best at doing it, but I, ideally, I want that to happen. My my father was the same way, uh, so maybe it's a hereditary thing. Of, uh, but I think it comes down. To, I don't want lukewarm food. No, one push you're gonna. It's like it's like like I learned with drawing a bath. I mean, and I oh, we should talk about drawing a bath because well, actually, you know, it's kind of germane. Because there, I am the only one that does a bath the way that I do it. They think I am completely insane, and I think I might be Einstein because of the way that I do it. Have we talked about this on here? You have explained it to me before, but I've already forgotten your secret technique. I, I think I poo-pooed it last time, which is why well, I explained we don't have it for my brain. We don't have to data. pivot hard to this, but I think it's worth it's worth touching on because this gets to why let me do that. 
because I know you guys don't like it. I know you think you get burned a lot, but that's because you're doing it wrong. You have to, you have to. So in your case, one of the pieces of, of advice, pieces of advice in your epic uh, pasta methodology post. Uh, one thing I, one thing I don't do, one thing I do do. Hmm. One is you make the water like you imagine sea salt should be. That's been a good change. The other one is you always warm up the bowls before you put the pasta and the, and the sauce in the gravy, as you say. Right. And that way you make sure, you know, because as soon as like you, like you say, as soon as take out the pasta, I definitely learned this too. take out the pasta. I take, I generally take almost a third off the suggested time because we like it. We like it al dente, but also it does keep cooking after you take it out. Mm -hmm. Don't cook your pasta for 10 minutes. Stop boiling your eggs for 20 minutes. Please stop doing this unless that's really how you know you like it. Because you're right, you take it out and guess what? It keeps cooking, A, and it starts cooling off, B. So now you're putting cold pasta in a bowl. So that, I'm gonna, the, my only pivot here is, and you feel free to respond at this point. My God, God. I do it with a bathtub. That's what I do with a bathtub. That's what I do. What I do is, first of all, I rinse it out. Because you never know. There might be cup spiders and stuff in there. You, you, rinse, out, <laughs> you rinse out the bathtub. You get out daddy's uh, shavy shave stuff. Make it nice. You put down the, uh, the whale bath mat. You run it all the way hot with the stopper until the entire bottom of the tub is full of water and it's starting to move up the sides two inches of water at 100% hot. Then you know what I do? Then I change it to exactly the setting that I know she likes and I let it finish. Maybe I put in some bubble bath. Yeah, this is not, uh, this is not, I think the reason I expunged this in my brain is because I did not consider this a, a super secret technique, but merely the way everybody runs baths. It is You're not. Telling me the way there, people there run baths, technique? the way people run baths is you turn it on until it's pretty warm on your hand and you let it go until you remember to but, turn but it off. But who does that? Because as everybody you, as does that, know, I'm telling you, it's you nuts. If you do that, the path, bath will be filled with water that is not the temperature you felt on your hand. Like it's, we there's, all know there's that, There's no going right? back. You can't add hot water to 20 gallons of water. I mean, and you can, it to warm. but it's not going to make the, a dent. That's a brute force attack on some water that should have been better no, no, managed from the, the beginning. Like this, the, the bathtub has thermal mass. And so if the water coming out of the faucet is just the temperature you like it, you can never fill a tub with water that temperature and have it be that temperature when you want to put your body into it. It's, it's not going to happen. It's Zeno's bathwater paradox. It's already, yeah. it's already cold the minute it hits the, it hits Especially, the tub. Especially, I mean, what is, your, what is your tub? You have cast iron? Uh, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> is it metal? If you bang it, is it... I'll find out. I'll bang it for you. I'll record it. I'll bang my bathtub yeah. for you. But what I do a... know is I remember hearing once that marble is always, marble in particular, is always 11 degrees cooler than the air temperature of the room. Whatever it is that we've got, it's which is not marble. Mm, I don't, that doesn't sound right to me, but go ahead. Marble's always 11 degrees colder <laughs> okay, than, the, okay. than the temperature in the room. Is that, is that how that works? I think physics might have something to say about that. But <laughs> if I say it on. twice, it must be true. Yep. <laughs> But I, I don't know what it is. It's probably got lots of lead, but it's definitely cooler, definitely cooler than the hot water that you want to put into it. Like, so if you're going to have a cup of hot tea, are you going to first ice down your cup before you put in the tea? Like, that's nuts. Yeah. Mm. And I see I see the logic of people being upset by that. Oh, I don't want to do 100% hot. But the whole, the, like, <sighs> it, the reason the reason I thought it was the way everyone does baths is the way I, I was never taught to do this. But you learn, that, like, the first time you're a kid and you run your own bath, you try to do the thing like, oh, this water is the right temperature. And you, and you get in it and you're like, oh, this sucks. And so you realize you got to go hotter, but you're like, well, how much hotter? It's mm -hmm. like, well, oh, here's here's a technique. How about I go max hot and then just cool it down until by the time it's getting about the temperature I like, the thing is full. That's already how too late. That? It's already too late. By the time you've gotten it close to what you want, you've already lost. 
Well, I mean, also, so there's the hot bath people versus the cool bath people. Some people can't handle the super oh, duper hot baths. Oh, I, I, you know I'm like I mean? a lobster. I want it's as hot as I can stand. I want it, I want to look like I got a sunburn yeah, from like, my from my dingus down. The line of, of yep. where you're burning yourself. That's that's absolutely right. Now, have you ever used a uh, meat thermometer for the bathtub? Mm-hmm. I have not. Mm. Mm. We but got a really bottom, good meat. Bottom of my elbow is the only meat thermometer I need for that bathtub. It's just I like saw, I you guys can tell how done a steak is with your elbow. Uh, it's just like I can take a kid's temperature with my cheek. Can you do that one? Only to my own kid. Well, obviously, yeah. But okay, but all right. My my wife doesn't have the skill. We just we, my son was well, sick here this you weekend. Go. Right, here and you go. This is, what, this is one particular <laughs> innate skill that I have that she somehow does not have. I can tell when kids have temperatures by putting their forehead against my cheek. And I thought everyone could do this, but my wife is incapable of doing it. So mm. I mean, obviously, we use a thermometer to get the actual the temperature. Is a good way. Also, if they don't want to play video games, they probably have a fever. Yeah. Anyway, he did have a fever. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what I did is we had gotten a um, we got a new meat thermometer. I was pretty happy with. I've been on a quest for a meat thermometer for a very long time, and we finally got one. I think it was a. I accidentally got one for a, the grill for using on a grill. It's like a wet. Not that it matters, but it's a Weber one. And and uh, so I started trying the experiment. First of all, when we got our new water heater, I started experimenting to see how to get efficient with the water heater, and especially to see how high we wanted it to be, which was less than we thought because it really was pretty burning. Long story short, I eventually figured out the optimal temperature to have our water heater set at so that we had the proper amount of hot water for doing our business within reason. But I also learned through experimentation and documentation, I learned the correct temperature for the bath. If I run, if I do my system for my own bath, screw you guys, for my bath, if I run myself this much hot water over this much area, I then need to change the bathtub to this to get the exact amount I want within plus or minus five minutes. Let it cool off a little bit. And they say science isn't useful today. People so say what that. What is the temperature? What is the temperature? Oh, I don't remember. I think it was <laughs> like, like 124 or something. Yeah, I don't take baths, so I don't find myself uh, having to do this. And are, you the showers, po- are you opposed to baths? No, it just I just don't find the time to do that. And showers, like I'm trying to get, with the, with the family shower situation, I just want the hot water not to run out while I'm in the shower. Oh, God, yes. And it's kind of always a race to mm-hmm. not let that happen. And that's how I manage the the my hot water heater temperature because I'm always going over a little bit with the idea that the mixing valve will be able to mix in less hot from my tank of hot water if the hot is at a higher temperature. Mm-hmm. And I adjust that. I change it from the seasons. During the winter, I have it hotter than I do in the summer because in the winter, I just need like it's it's spending half of its energy warming up the pipes in my house in the morning, right? And so there goes half your your heat energy yeah, from your right. hot water heater anyway. And I, I got to make it so that by the time, because I take showers second in the morning, right? Which is good in some ways that the pipes are heated up, but bad in other ways in that I am I can very easily, if I make it a little bit too hot in the shower, yeah. end up, um, you know, I still got shampoo in my hair and I feel the temperature start to drop and it's never going to go back. Uh, up, when that know? happens, I feel like Ultraman. Like my chest has started beeping. I know it's time to get out. I hate that yeah. feeling. Yeah. It's no way to live. I mean, someday, mm-hmm. someday maybe I'll have one of those on-demand water heaters with the sort of unlimited hot water, the, the promise of the, the world that we were promised in the future, jetpacks and unlimited hot water, but we're not there yet. <laughs> I agree. You know, keep your moving sidewalks. Give me the hot water. That and that in some kind of a way of deploying various types of gravy on demand. And so other kinds of things here. Uh, how do you feel? Do you feel like you've acquitted yourself pretty well? Or do you, do you think you're, what do you think you're going to get in trouble for here? If you had to guess. Uh, no, just... Even if my wife agrees with the percentages as I put forth, mm-hmm. the fact that those are the percentages is my eternal mm-hmm. source of mm-hmm. shame and woe. So that, that bringing it up again is like reminding her 
of the fact that she does almost that's, everything. That's that's yeah. You know, I really should have thought this through. Yeah, that's that's bad. Do you think we should get a decoy episode for her? No, there's no escape. I accept it. Okay. What do you? What are you most grateful for uh, that other people in your house do? In terms of the, oh, it's easy. We we just actually had this discussion recently. This may sound surprising, but like obviously, when you know when one of us goes away, the other person does everything, right? Yeah. Um, so it gives you a chance to try out all the things you don't normally do, right? <laughs> gives you a chance. That's such an optimistic way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Or or doesn't, as the case may be, because my wife will say oh, that all I do is just merely delay the activities that I don't like until she comes back, because I can go basically like. Can you go the whole week without shopping? I will if I can. And then she'll come back and be like, oh, great. There's no food in the house because you didn't go shopping. That's terrible. I mean, yeah. I will, obviously, within reason, you're going to make sure that, that milk and everything stays. But yeah. my wife is a, is an overbuyer. Like, running out of toilet paper is a thing that would never happen because we okay. have... If you went to our basement, it would be like going to Costco. You could shop for your house and our house. <laughs> you could have a satellite store. When we get down to only 76 rolls of toilet paper left, she's like, I need to buy two more giant cubes of paper towels like <laughs> we will never run out even the milk the milk is like we're down to only four half gallons time to get six more do you guys go to costco <laughs> for things like that she does go to costco but for, for everything i feel like is we have such a deep bench every single staple that the idea of us running out of them is inconceivable to me because as soon as we get down to like like think of when you feel comfortable about having enough toilet paper Mm-hmm. That is so far below her line of we need to get toilet paper now. Okay. That if she would panic, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't have to ever worry about that, which is why when she leaves for a week, it's not as if I need to go. Like I take the opportunity to draw down the stocks, <laughs> <laughs> like to try to to try to get things under control. But it is true that I will. <laughs> I gotta get, you know, I'm gonna get through some of this toilet paper while she's gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or like milk, or you know, but just the just the seemingly benign act of not buying more while she's away has got to help a yeah, little bit. Yeah, and and it's true that I will put off doing laundry and all those sorts of things. And I I think the thing the thing the thing that I do when she's away that I find the most objectionable, and I told her this the other day when she was asking about things that I might uh, take on, is believe it or not, making the kids lunches. Hmm. Which at a certain point, I suppose we're not going to shouldn't be doing anymore and the kids can make their own lunches, but I'm afraid they would starve to death. Um, hmm. But making the kids lunches, and I'll tell you why I hate this so much. I'm not a morning person. I don't like waking up in the morning. My morning schedule is pretty darn tight in terms of from the moment I wake up, can I do all the things that I need to do, including getting the kids ready and out the door and getting myself to work. There's not a lot of slack in that schedule. Um and when I have to make the kids' lunches, first of all, I have to set my alarm a half an hour earlier, which is a lot to somebody who's not a morning person. Makes a big yes. difference. A full yes. 30 minutes I have to give myself. And my oh wife's gosh. like, why do you have to set the clock at 30 minutes when the only additional thing you're doing in the morning is making kids' lunches? Making two kids' lunches doesn't take 30 minutes. And I agree, it doesn't when she does it, because she's way better at it than I am. And this okay, is this is, and just for what it's worth, it's the same thing with dishes. If I try as hard as I can to do a good job, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to give you, be simpatico here. It will take me at least twice as long and the results will be one fourth as good. Like no matter how hard you try at sandwiches, maybe that's not your thing. I'm, I'm good at dishes. I do take a long time to do dishes, but I do, I do a good job. I think thorough. I do need more thorough mm-hmm. job, right? But making lunches bothers me. It's the early morning thing 
the fact that I always feel rushed, even though I set my alarm a half an hour early to try to make it so I don't feel rushed, I do feel rushed because I know everything else that has to happen in the morning for us to have a successful morning to get out of the house, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And the making of lunch involves going to, well, uh, one of the things I do in the morning is I my wife goes into the shower. We both wake up at the same time. She goes to the shower. I go downstairs. What I'm doing when I go downstairs is if the dishwasher is full, I empty it. If there's, if there's dishes in the drying rack, I put them away. Uh, if there is dirty dishes in the sink, I wash them and put them in the drying rack so that when we swap and she's done with her shower and she comes down and I go up for my shower, she comes down to a kitchen that nothing's on the counter, nothing is in the sink, nothing's in the drying rack except for maybe something I washed just then, right? And the dishwasher, it doesn't have clean dishes in it, right? And so she's got a clean slate to do lunches, right? So when I do it myself, I'm still doing all those things and I have a clean slate to do lunches. I like doing the opposite, which is taking something that is dirty and messy and making it ordered. Oh. Now I have to take a clean counter and bring out all the crap for lunch and peel the cucumbers and chop them and cut the apples up and make the sandwiches and take out the bread and get the knife and spread the stuff on the things and make the crumbs of the things and put it together and put them in the bags and, and put. now I've got a dirty knife and now I've got these things and I put everything back away. I hate that so much. It takes mm-hmm. me a long time. I take way too long to do it because I'm too much of a perfectionist. There's so many components. Got to make sure everyone's got all the different things. Got to make sure they got all the little ice packs and their drink and their things. And Oh, I hate it so much. And it is not because it's difficult or time-consuming. It's just it is my least favorite thing that I do around the house. And it's inexplicable. And my wife hates it, too. She always says whenever I say I hate something, she says, oh, I hate that, too. Um, do I hate it more than she does? I don't know. I do know that she's better at it than I do because she doesn't have to set her alarm a half an hour earlier to get it done. This, well, this, shows, you, this shows you how right you are about what a dingling I am because I always feel like when somebody is very, very good at something, it's hard to believe that they don't like doing it. And that is a very, just even the slightest bit of self-reflection on my part should make that clear that in many aspects of my life, not just this one, is, but do you ever get, get that feeling where if you watch somebody who's really, really good at making a pizza, you're like, God, you must love making pizza. It's like, well, no, it's like, that's what I do. It's like, I have to be good at this because that's my job. Yeah. I mean, you just get, get good. At, I mean, the, she, she uses the same thing on me for, in terms of, uh, for the cooking things. We have a bunch of meals that we do and the repertoire is growing from like blue apron and stuff, mm-hmm. mixing in stuff. But very early on, there was a clear divide. There are her meals and there are my meals. Oh, big time. Oh, we do very little cross-contamination when we're cooking. Right. I'm glad you said that. I had not thought to call that out, but it's it's very much, it's your project unless you ask for help. Now, some things that I want to make because I don't like it when she makes them, (laughs) if she's willing to. But but there are many things where I would be perfectly happy for her to make them and me to eat them, but she says, no, you do it because you do it better. And... I'm going to say that she's right. I do do it better, <laughs> but I don't care enough about it. I would eat the lesser version if it meant that I didn't have to cook it. So it's a situation where she may be thinking, well, don't you like cooking? Cause you do the, you make this meal better. You must like it. It's like, well, you know, I, maybe I do do it better, but not better enough that <laughs> I want to be the one to cook it. So anyway, it is over time. I feel like the number of things that are my meals has been increasing, and the number of things that are her meals have been decreasing, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. I, I've, I've re- recently, I've been branching out. At, uh, Blue Apron, I'm, I don't know if Blue Apron's a sponsor, but I think they're sponsored this Blue week, Apron's. yeah. All right, well, so we, we've been subscribed to Blue Apron for a long time. Um, and, it's we a, do, and for people who haven't heard, it's a better way to cook. Yeah, 
Uh, and we do the two-person one, even though we are a four-person family. Mm-hmm. We, we choose you told two- me about this. This has been a huge life hack for us. We have, we, we, we waste or, or provoke a lot less food because of your system. Which I, I'm sorry I, I interrupted you. What is your system? I don't recommend this system because if I would tell you, it makes no sense. We should be doing the four-person, but we don't because we have picky eaters as kids, right? So we do the two-person one, which means that many nights we make two meals. We make the blue apron meal for the grown-ups, right? And then we have to make a second meal for the kids because there's literally not enough food for four people in a two-person blue apron, mm-hmm. right? So it sounds like, why don't you just get the four-person blue apron? Like, why are you getting the two-person one and making two dinners? And it's because we have picky eaters and we just want to make something that they'll eat, which means we have to make two dinners. One thing that has changed recently is occasionally we will make two blue aprons at once. And so I feel like this is like the next, like leveling up on blue apron. Blue apron is a good way for people who don't know how to cook. Like you will learn, you will become a better cook by doing blue apron. Like just because, you know, you, instead of doing making a recipe that you made a hundred times, each week, having to see a recipe, I've never seen this recipe before in my life. I'm seeing it for the very first time right now. There's almost always like at least one. F- it's, there's always at least one food I either haven't heard of or would never deliberately cook on purpose. And the bottom line is, you haven't made this recipe before, right? Like this combination, of, you've never made this meal before, and so you can never make it, uh, repeat uh, recipes over an entire year. Yeah, I don't even think they do across multiple years. We've been subscribed for more than one years, and I don't see a lot of repeats. Um, but anyway, I will make two blue apron meals at once simultaneously. Which talk about trying to get everything to come out at the same time. <laughs> that is tricky. And I, I, the first time I did it, I'm like, why am I doing this? And now we do it routinely. Uh, we'll just make these two blue aprons. So I don't know what we're going to have for dinner. And we'll do that now because sometimes the kids will eat some part of them. Like we'll always give them a taste of ours and they'll, they'll like them eventually. So making two blue aprons at the same time, trying to follow two recipes that you've never seen before at the yeah. same time, trying to work out like who's going to be in the oven at what temperature at what time and when you can substitute the toaster and the pots and pans, the number of burners on a little four-burner stove. That's an interesting challenge. Once I enjoy it, but it's a, it's a thing that I do. And I don't know how my wife feels about those two blue ribbon at a time. I said, oh, this must be a fun challenge for you. But it's, it's like, well, it, you know, it would know, be more fun if someone cooked me uh, a meal and then mm-hmm. I sat down and ate it. That would be even more fun. But uh, <laughs> Hmm. And, and that's how she feels about probably all the things that she does, which, yes, she does do better than me, but I would not assume that she loves doing them. Hmm. It's complicated stuff. So what things do you uh, particularly enjoy or dislike? Hmm. I mean, like anybody, I think I like to do things where I get to go be on my own. If it constitutes like a mini break. Like that's one reason I like doing the dishes, except for the silverware. Is you that kick everybody out? No, no, no. It just means I can put on these uh, Plantronics headphones and uh, you know listen to a podcast. But you can't listen to a podcast if someone's constantly talking to you. Oh yeah, and then no. you're being antisocial by putting in your headphones. So if they're well, they're, in the they're room, watching a program and look at iPads and stuff like so that's that. What I'm saying they're not in the kitchen with you. Oh no, no. I'm sorry. Yes, to to specifically like don't talk to me while I'm doing that. When I have these on, like you know, I'm not here. I like that. But I mean, in terms of less antisocial things, I don't mind the, uh, I do trash recycling and compost. I do the cap boxes. I do supply chain management of most things. I do most bill paying, which is at this point is so easy. I mean, you know, we've got, we're on a, we're above the first floor. So that can be, sometimes I do, I was talking about, I was saying, I was basically saying yesterday, we went out, out of town for a little trip for the day and I was talking about how, you know, I think I would be better at a lot of these, these things if I didn't have to think about going up and down that many steps, which sounds really lazy, but it's not like we live in a walk-up. It's not like we're in like, it's not in Brooklyn or something. 
But uh, I get sometimes like right now there's compost in there that should have been taken out before I came here. And I feel bad that I didn't do it. But I kind of like that. I find it meditative. I kind of like breaking down boxes. I definitely, even though nobody asked for it, I really like organizing Legos for the five minutes that they're organized. Because as with cats, the second something is cleaned in the house, the child Mm -hmm. will go in and disrupt whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like, so you clean up the Legos, guess what the first thing is? It's going to be all over the place. Yeah, that is a thankless job that my wife undertakes on her own for the most part. Because it's very I meditative. Think not just Legos, but like she will go into the kid's room and organize it. And it's multi, there's multiple reasons why she will do that and I will not. One is that I'm content to let the kids' rooms be like they are. Like I have a higher tolerance for them being a mess or I will try to make them clean it. But the second is that she feels like if the kids do, even if they somehow you get them to actually clean it, like they actually get down to it and try to do it, that they do a terrible job of cleaning it. Yeah. She wants, she, she needs the toys to be ordered. Like this set of toys goes with this. These outfits goes with these things. Like very detailed organization. Everything has to be a complete set. Don't mix the two sets with each other. Everything organized to to a degree that I couldn't do because I don't even know what the sets are. That my kids will never do because they don't know what the sets are. And they're disorganized slops. They would never, ever do it. And it's to the point now where my daughter hates it when my wife goes in and cleans her room because then all her stuff gets all moved around to where my wife wants it to be. Mm-hmm. She's like, mommy, don't clean my room. Like, it is a strange, strange situation. And you sound like her and that you want things to be ordered whether anyone else in the house wants them to be ordered or not. Well, I mean, that's that's a silly example, but it's indicative of, this is why I st- sometimes I, I did make that crack about how if you like what you do, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is, like, if it's something that you that you find satisfying, meditative, relaxing, centering, whatever it is. Um, If it's something that lets you feel the way that you want to feel or that indulges you in the way that you like to be indulged, then I think that's, that's a home run. I mean, if you can find things where like you pick out the things where one person, you know, has like, you know, there's only one person in our house that will, that will clean the cat box full stop. I agree to that. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, some people are really grossed out by dealing with pet stuff. It doesn't bother me a bit. So like that kind of stuff, it's really easy. The worst part of that is it's like 20 pounds of cat litter. I've got to carry down several flights of stairs. My wife my, my has the stairs allergy too, just like you. Yeah, I'm like stairs. But I get, do you, you know, do, I, get, I, get a, I get a pretty good number of flights in every day, which is nice. Do you do the camping out of items? Like you the want staging, to avoid- The staging of taking yeah, out? Yeah, if you want to avoid going up or down the stairs so you will take some item- and put it like at the oh. foot of the stairs or at the top of the stairs so that this is how the theory goes. The next person who's going yeah. up and or down. Sure, just take this up. We'll see that and just take it. I don't want to go down now because I don't like stairs, right? But surely someone who will later will come by here will take the thing up or down. And that is a bad system for multiple reasons. First, mm-hmm. I, I personally hate things being at the top or the bottom of the stairs because I'm afraid someone's going to trip over it. Yes. And like tumble down the stairs to their death exorcist style. <laughs> Our steps are all made of cement in the house. It's very, very dangerous. Um, the idea that someone else will come along and understand which direction this thing is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Because if you see something at the bottom of the stairs, does that mean it's supposed to continue on its way down to the basement stairs? Or is it supposed to be on its way up? Oh, I see. Because you got fly- a multi-flight situation. I'm thinking yeah. more of like there's something that clearly a pair of scissors that should go back to the craft room or kitchen downstairs. 
And again, who puts scissors next to the steps? But that's probably a separate conversation. Yeah, or on the, sitting on the banister. But nobody in the history of forever has ever just happened to say, oh, well, you know, what well, if there's anything that needs to go to a different floor? Let me go check that out. Like, nobody's ever done that. Or, and the other thing is, at a certain point, if they're placed so you don't trip over them, you don't even see them. And it doesn't occur to you. Like, you walk past this thing. It's like, you just walk past that thing. Why didn't you bring it down with you? It's like, what thing? I just, you know, you just go right to the stairs. You're not thinking because you're on your way to do whatever it is you're doing down. But anyway, I, I'm not allergic to stairs. The the other thing is, though, that like the staging or the placing or the whatever, you got to be real careful when you do that, because if nothing else, all other things being equal, you failed at your job and you look lazy. Right. If you, you're like, I don't know, you're like a dog nudging the meatball across the plate or something like don't if, if there's something that needs to be done, do it properly. Don't just move it into an area where somebody else might want to do it. You know, and so like, I, I think it's worse than not doing it in some ways. So if it is one of the days where I break down a bunch of boxes and I'm fixing to take them down, like if I do all that and, and I have a special way I organize them and I nest the empties inside each other, like, like an envelope, I got a whole way that I do it. Now, if I do that, that was the most of the work. Most of the work was like work such as it is, just sitting there with a knife and cutting these things up. But if I leave those leaned against the top of the steps, it is so much worse than if I had done nothing, in my opinion. I feel like, like, so, like so what my wife comes home and she, <laughs> she gets an instant progress report and what I haven't finished yet because of why ever. I think it's, I think it's a terrible habit to get into. Do not leave that area open and also yeah, be careful because you might fall down the steps. I don't uh, begrudge my wife leaving things at the top and the bottom of the stairs. Oh, she, she's the stager. Yeah, she is. And oh, I'm allergic I'm, to stairs. I get it. Okay. Yeah. And so I will I will ferry things up and down the stairs. It is literally the least I can do. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but the thing is, I I will walk by them and totally not see them. Or very frequently with laundry, I will see them and not understand the cleanliness situation. Is this are these clean clothes on their way up or dirty clothes on their way down? Right. And I will confess that I will frequently not stop and shove my nose into the laundry basket and smell them to try to assess the answer to that question. Or I will just not see them at all. And then I will get scolded for walking past something. Why didn't you bring that down and or up when you walked past it? But if asked to bring something up or down, I'll do it because I got no problem with stairs. I can I can do it. I'm fine. I'm also a big believer in ganging tasks. Um where like if there's stuff that I have to do and this this gets me into that kind of like I don't know what's that what's that uh what's that image people always show of the woman and it's four pictures of her and she's seeing math happening in front of her who is that and what's it from four pictures of her oh it's a meme the Andy it's a Warhol long- Marilyn Monroe picture what do you no never mind somebody will tell us but it's along the lines of the uh, increasing brain type meme oh yeah yeah no i know the meme but it's the yeah, woman it's, she's it's, staring yeah. in the you see like i that's how i feel i feel like I, I get a real john nash situation when i go like i go into the matrix and i think about think about things involving upstairs and downstairs all the chips as you call them start clicking because that's what they do with their you know <clears throat> transistors and whatnot and then and then all all lines up and the red yarn goes taut and i go ah yes i must gather <laughs> i start talking like mr spock when i'm doing housework and I think about, okay, here's the stuff that needs to happen. These boxes up here need to go down into the recycling area. And while I'm down there, I can do a relay. I pick up the cat litter. I bring that upstairs, okay? And when I come up from that round, oh, you know what I noticed? I'm doing uh, chore things. I should break down some of these other, these uh, these seltzer boxes. I'll take them downstairs. And while I'm down there, I remember that the Ikea, big blue Ikea bag we use for recycling needs to be brought up. And then I think about, I get into a, uh, a fox uh, chicken and grain type situation, and I try to figure out how to do that most efficiently. And then I wake up in a cold sweat two hours later. You, you would hope that the time you spend thinking about this 
is less than the time it would take That's you to just do it math. That's what trips. makes it math, John. It all happens very, very quickly inside the neural net. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet. I don't remember who that actor, actress, actress is, though. Isn't that, I always see the one with the brain diagram. It shows like well, the, brain the, diagram, the brain was lit up and then it gets increasingly lit up and it's like an, an increasingly profound uh, thinking towards the bottom of the meme different, thing. It's a different, that's a different meme. Oh, well, I don't know which one you're talking about. You got to send me an example of this. Actress, TV, math, meme. Don't overthink it. Yes. First try. Math lady, confused lady. Uh, Okay. There you go. I, I so if this is offensive, I apologize. I don't know. I'm just taking you to know your meme. Uh, first to a series of gifs of Brazilian actress Renata Sora, uh, in a scene oh, from telenovela. I, I have never seen this one before. Is that right? I don't. I need some examples. I see it, and I see the area of a cone, and then I see yeah. more complicated expressions, uh, quadratic equation, and then. It's not actually getting that much more complicated. It's supposed mm. to get more complicated. It's just trigonometry in the in the, the lower right quadrant. <laughs> wow. People oh, didn't know enough math sorry, to make man. this. <laughs> if you're gonna like, look, you gotta, if you're gonna make fun of me, at least understand the thing you're making fun of me about. <laughs> I'm just saying, like if you can do the escalation, like the, the, the Which brain one has escalation, escalation, John? Which one of the four has escalation in it? No, aren't you gonna go like the first one has no math symbols, the second oh, one I has figured some that was math a theorem. Symbol. I see. Well, then like, it's got a lot of, uh, you got, I think those are called square root fractions. You got, uh, you got your sin, yeah. the cosin. No, there's, not, the even, tan- there's not even any calculus in any of these squares. Ugh, sickening. These kids today, they, they eat so many avocados, they can't buy a house. It's really, really distressing. See, now, I, I don't know who I thought this was. I figured she was uh, an actress I knew from TV, but apparently no, she's from uh, South America. Huh. I do not recognize her. Anyway, that's what it's like when I take out boxes. <laughs> Hope that helps. Please remember to like and subscribe.